You are now listening to the Minority Trailblazer Podcast. Let the story begin. One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers, four times for the babies. Do you love her? 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 One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers, four times for the babies. Do you love her? 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 Brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. Brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. She my brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. She my brown skin, love a brown skin. Hold me down. Welcome to the Minority Trailblazer Podcast, and I'm your host Greg Ehill, the Culture Change Agent. You already know on this show we interview young, successful minorities in a variety of fields to educate, empower, and inspire our current and future generation leaders. And today I got a show for you, man. Yo, we in this thing, man. And I already know what you're thinking. You looking at this podcast, you like, gee, for real, two hours, bruh? A two-hour podcast, bruh? Hey, man, <laughs> yo, we just got to talking. I was up there at 102 Jams in Greensboro, man, recording with the dynamic Morgan McKenzie, man. And we just had a prolific conversation, man. It is what it is. So if you gonna got a two-hour commute, just chop this thing up or you just ride with it. A lot of stories, a lot of smiling, a lot of tears, a lot of just real energy, man. And that's that. That's that's y'all should be lucky that all my podcasts aren't done in person they <laughs> but uh with that being said today i'm not gonna give you a 10 minute intro to the intro to the intro and we just gonna right jump right into it man if you're new to this podcast it's episode like 104 you got 103 to get caught up on so go ahead and catch up on these things man we had realest the realest conversation on air um, I believe in the culture, man. One of the fastest rising podcasts for people of color in the culture. We go on a tour this summer. A lot of stuff is happening. A lot of stuff is shaking, man. And it's all because of you. It's all because of you, man. So if this is not your first episode, man, show yourself some love. Let's get into it, man. It is a phenomenal episode for anybody. Anybody that's trying to break into radio, anybody that's a creative entrepreneur, anybody got a post. If you got a post, this is a popping, exciting episode for you, man. So y'all enjoy it. <laughs> As you can tell, I'm excited. Y'all enjoy it, man. I love y'all. I mean that. I love y'all. Even sometimes, even sometimes I want to go up beside all my listeners' head, man. But I love y'all. Y'all continue to do y'all thing, man. Enjoy this episode. Make sure you show. Slide in the Morgan's DMs, man. Let her know you loved and enjoyed the show. Uh, get get them. Be on the lookout. We got a couple big announcements coming up. I told you. I thank y'all for waiting. We got a couple big announcements coming up. Yes. 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 But, yo, let me just get into the episode, man. Uh, y'all enjoy it. It's going to be a legendary podcast. I'm going to read a snippet. I repeat a snippet of the bio, and then we're going to jump right into it. And as always, I want to say this. This is about to be a legendary episode. This season, we've been on fire. Season six has been legendary, and we're going to continue creating legendary stuff. I'm excited. I'm not even in my normal environment. I'm usually at home, on my own desk, on my own microphone, but I'm in Greensboro. I'm making special appearances right now, and I'm going to read this bio. 
She is an old soul with a youthful quality that allures people from all walks of life. She is a native of Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and is a super Aggie with both her bachelor's and master's degree from North Carolina A&T State University. In 2011, she landed an internship with the former Wild Out Wake Up Show here at 102 Jams. And in 2014, her internship allowed her to contribute to 102 Jams community-based talk show, Straight Talk. And if you, by the way, I think that I play it sometime a couple years ago, I played the whole interview on here, man. Matter of fact, I might for, for good time's sake throw it online. So watch my Twitter or my Instagram for the next couple of days and share the full interview there. After one year, she became the co-host for the show. She became an on-air personality in 2016, regularly on the weekends, and her voice has reached many through the sound waves as she enjoys using her platform to be the voice of the people. Radio has allowed her to serve as a catalyst for positive change in the community, and once she found her voice, there was no stopping her from talking. Her goal is to remain proactive and offering perspective, disclosing transparency, and uplifting the community through the influence of her voice. And speaking from the heart has become one of her favorite or many super hours to be exact. And outside of being a radio personality, she is also a professor of English composition at the illustrious, like I said, illustrious <laughs> North Carolina A&T State University. And without further ado, I would like to welcome Morgan McKenzie to the Minority Trailblazer podcast. Welcome to the show. What's up? What's up? Hey, man, it's good to be live and directing this thing. I'm excited. I get, <laughs> How you doing? Man, I'm doing I'm doing well, man. It's been a uh, it's been a it's been a crazy fast year. I don't understand. People say when you get over 25, stuff just happens fast. I'm like, yo, we what? already quarter through the year. No, for real. It's happening. It's moving. And 2020 is real live on the way. And I'm turning 30. That's on the way as well. So, <laughs> yo, that's crazy. So as we always do in Minority Trailblazer fashion, we always start to show off with a quote. And please, can you share with our audience, man, a quote or mantra you live by and a story about you how that how you apply rather that quote or mantra to your everyday life? Wow. Okay, I will say this quote that I got from you. I don't even know if you remember saying it, but it resonated <laughs> I with say a me. lot of stuff. You <laughs> really do, and this one this one touched me. You Ooh, told me. Thank you. And told the people to flourish in that burden. And you Ooh. were talking about things that you were going through in life and how tough it can be. And sometimes we're in predicaments where it just seems like there's no way out. But you have a choice. You can flourish in that burden. And that resonated with me. You know, I've been through a lot of ups and downs. And, you know, no matter what, I have a choice to make it out, figure mm -hmm. out a way, figure out a way to come, come up with an opportunity to flourish. So. That that has really stuck with me. So I'll start mm. with that one. Flourishing so that burden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the last story? Though? First of all, thank you for that. Mm -hmm. uh, what's the last story or moment um, that you mind sharing that you really had to like lock in and use that though? Okay. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I actually had to speak on a panel, mm -hmm. right? And I've been pretty vocal about me dealing with anxiety. It's it's so ironic because I do a lot of public speaking. I'm a professor. I'm a radio personality. <laughs> I have to use my voice, but I do deal heavily with anxiety and it impacts me physically, emotionally, all at once, simultaneously. And I was on a panel and I had to speak about some real life issues and I got really, really nervous. It was a small, intimate crowd. So my, my emotions were kind of mm -hmm. high. My hands were shaking. My legs were shaking and all of this is happening in front of people yeah. while I'm speaking. 
Yeah. And it was it's burdensome. You get what I'm saying? Where I have all of these things impacting me internally while I'm projecting and presenting to people. And I just had to flourish. And I got through uh, that speaking engagement and people were very much so uplifted and empowered afterward. And I was so proud of myself because when that anxiety kicks in, it's like fight or flight. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. My body is literally going through fight or flight. Uh, What's the word? It's going through fight or flight. Yeah. And I have to figure out, am I going to let this take me out or I'm going to flourish in this in this burden that's happening right now? And I just powered through. I stated what I had to say mm-hmm. and I did it with a smile and hey, I got through it. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's that's phenomenal. Yeah. I always try to see what it looks like in action because yeah. everybody can sound deep. We can think deep. But in action, I think that's where the most uh, most things come from. So I started this new segment on a show called. Uh, find the post because okay. what I've been realizing that every interview has its own cadence, but a lot of the cadence is influenced by what's really going on within the last week or mm-hmm. within the last couple of days of the person's life. Because we got this whole interview and in a week's time, we ask the same question. It could be completely different answers, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's a, and there's a lot of things to kind of go with it. So I got two questions just to kind of find the post of the show. It kind of steer us in the, the direction that uh, I believe God wants us to go to. Okay. Uh, first, what was the most memorable moment of what was the most memorable moment of last week, good or bad, and what did it teach you? Okay, last week I had a very good moment. Okay. I actually met with a pro, not a professor. I met with a professional. He mm-hmm. is very much so invested in the radio uh, business. He's been a program director of several radio stations on a national scale. Mm-hmm. He knows a lot of people who are doing what I want to do. He knows them personally. He's contributed to hip-hop culture, getting breaking records, all types of stuff like that. And I didn't even know that he's the husband of a colleague of mine. Wow. Right. So I was able to set up a meeting with both of them, you know, have a dinner and get to pick his brain about the industry, ask him questions about how I can break into the industry full-time because I'm a part-time radio personality right now. And breaking in, Full-time is another job in itself. Mm -hmm. So what I learned by meeting with this man is that networking is key. Mm -hmm. And everything that he told me, it kind of solidified the fact that I'm on the right path. And I'm meeting people who are going to be influential in me progressing with my radio career. So I was pretty, pretty hype about that. The food was great. Yeah, what did you eat at? Oh, I was at his house. Oh, wow, wow, Yeah, my colleague and her husband... And one of my best friends, she works here at the radio station as well. So she got to ask questions, too, because she just got on air not too long ago. Okay, Right. So we were both, you know, we had our uh, notepads, asking Mm -hmm. questions, writing contacts down. So he gave us tangible contacts. Like, here are people who are in the industry that you can reach out to right now Mm -hmm. to bridge that gap. So that was very rewarding. Mm-hmm. And it let me know that I'm on the right path and networking is key. I used to be so afraid to network, mm-hmm. but it's everything. Yeah. The crazy thing about it is, is like, it, it sometimes it gets to a weird place where you're around like 28, 29 mm-hmm. and you're in your career, but you're not, you're, you're in it, but you know, there's another level. Yes. And it's like, yo, I'm almost 30. It's like, it's not that I should be at the level. It's like, it's weird that you're still in a, it's to some degree in a, in a printed stage. You're like, yo, I've been here for eight years. For a while. I'm on air already. Yes. Like, I'm doing this already. 
However, there's still more to go, like a lot more. So much more to go. And I went to a panel maybe last month. I've been I've been traveling. Yeah, I've been peeping. You yeah. know, and trying to get my name out there and networking. So I went to, I'll speak on two panels that I went to. I went to one in Charlotte where it was all black women mm-hmm. in uh, media in general. Yeah, how and was that? It was absolutely beautiful. And I'm going to tell you why. They had black women who were on, who were reporters, who were bloggers, who worked. Who set that up? Um, uh, I can't think of the name right now. Don't worry about it right now. Yeah, but um, it was in Charlotte. Blogging Beauties. That's what it was okay. called. Blogging Beauties. And they, they go on tour and they happen to be in Charlotte. And somebody hit me up, knew, knew about my brand before I knew about them and invited me to come to the panel and just be an audience member. And there were three radio personalities on that panel. And to hear their stories also solidified the fact that I'm on the right path. It literally took one woman said it took her 10 years to land her full time job in radio. And now she's she's at Power 98 right now on the morning show. Killing it. Jessica. She's dope. But the grind like radio, I chose an industry that's super hard to break into. And people it, don't leave. People don't leave. Maybe you're in 40, 50 you, years. You got to hold it down. You got to wait for them to roll on out. Uh, something go <laughs> or down you so be you can Kansas slide City, through. Missouri. Oh, my gosh. Yes. <laughs> so it took her a while. It was another young lady. I thought she was full-time. She's part-time part-time in it, too. She's mm-hmm. older than me. Yeah. And her story was empowering. And then there was another young lady. Uh, she's on air in Raleigh. And her story. She's been in the game for about 15 years or something like that. And it's it's just like, wow. So the hustle is real. They networked. They started at the bottom. They had to intern too. And they had to do a lot of hard work to get where they were. So, you know, I have been here for a while. I'm still part-time in it, but I am far off, far better off than I was when I first started. I used when you came on my show, yeah, I, I was only doing two hours of radio a week. Yeah. Now I so I hold down the weekends. I'm the go-to fill-in girl. So whenever the part the full timers are out of town. They always call on me. Wow. Um, I just told you off mic that I auditioned for night shows, so the nighttime slot. So I was on air every day consistently, which is giving me practice, which mm-hmm. is giving me experience, which has allowed me to grow within the craft and uh, find my voice even more. So things are happening. It just takes a lot of time, patience, and hella work behind the scenes as far as networking, reaching out to people, asking questions. Mm-hmm. All types of stuff. The question, though. Mm-hmm. especially we it's 2019 and we live in a in an industry in a space in a time where anybody can pick up a microphone, buy it on Amazon, mm-hmm. and they can start their own show, yeah. start their own media. So, what do you think is your what's your mindset and what's your 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 mantra of really wanting to grab radio and to be in this industry where? All around you, you see that anybody can call themselves a professional political mic and all of a sudden now they have a show. Mm-hmm. And then you can think about it, you could look at like they could be doing crazy numbers and you're like, and I'm grinding out at a radio station yeah. and, and some random girls or random men, and no offense to them, but they may not have put in one no work and mm-hmm. they grab a mic and now they fly it out. They were HBO shows and yeah. you're like, they I've been I'm on 102. I've been like interning mm-hmm. for all these years, putting up numbers. Uh, filling in, and it's like anybody now in this day and age can create. What's your What's your overall take on that, and how do you keep um, positive in that light? Where it's like, dang, bro, people just to start and they have no affiliation with no major. They don't right. have to go to no pipeline, right? So, what does that even look like in the creative space now? I think 
that I can look at it in a positive way. And I have mm-hmm. utilized that same opportunity that other people are creating. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yes, Some I'm, may call it new media. New media. And I've hopped on that new media wave as well. And I, that it creates opportunity for me. So, no, I may not be full time right now, but I can't put all my eggs in that one basket waiting for somebody to hire me full time, give me my contract, endorsements, all of that. So while I'm still working towards that, I'm creating my own new media. You get what I'm saying? Content mm-hmm. is everything. So I have my own podcast. I do panels. I do speaking engagements. I pick up the mic off air, off of 102 Gems, and I create my own content because you never know. I could easily blow up off yeah. of some other stuff and it not be affiliated with the radio station that I, I work for. So I look at it as a positive and I salute anybody who is taking uh whatever ideas that they have and flying, like flying with it. You know what I'm saying? Content is everything. You ain't got to wait on nobody. Mm-hmm. Do it. Yeah. Do yeah. it. What is just, what does success mean to you? And I think I've been, it's crazy. I got into the sixth season and I, I wish in hindsight, I would have been able to ask every single person that's been on the show what it means because mm-hmm. it, it's so lucid and different from everybody mm-hmm. else. But for you right now, what does it mean to you? Man, I'll never forget the first semester I taught at uh, North Carolina a and I had this one student. He was super bright. Sometimes I would let him lead the class because he was the way he would think and the way he would lead conversations in my class out of this world. And one time he asked me, Miss Cornell, what do you think success is? And I didn't have the right answer for him. I felt like it was generic. Mm-hmm. And I don't even remember what I said. But then later on, maybe like a year or so from that class, I stumbled across like not a, a book. I, I can't remember what book it was, but mm-hmm. it was talking about success. And it described it as a journey more so than a destination. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people view success as a destination like oh once I get to this point I'm gonna be successful or once I make x amount of dollars I'm gonna be successful or once I get this this car this whip or work in this industry I'll be successful and they are totally dismissing the journey and the lessons and all of the trials ups and downs to get to these destinations so I think success is a journey mm-hmm. what you're learning what you're failing how you're bouncing back how you're moving forward and yeah, it's a journey. Mm-hmm. I say that it's more than just a destination. Because if you get caught up in the destination, it's like you'll never really be satisfied. You ever see anybody who they say, oh, once I make this this amount of money, then they make it. And then they're like, what's next? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. They, they're not really feeling like it's success. they're successful because they're always looking at something else or yeah. what's next. You get what I'm saying? Nah, I, I hear that. I feel Does that, that make sense? That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense, man. So. I think we found our post and now we here. We all warmed <laughs> up. And also, too, that helps that helps everybody get warmed up. Luckily, you stay warm. You stay hot. So I don't need to do that. But a lot of people, I got I got to do something to warm it up. Because oh, then, then I found myself because I, if I create the tempo doing a lot of talking, setting it up, well, my mind, I'm going to do a lot of talking the whole time. And then all of a sudden, it don't really become an interview. It oh, come me gosh. and then it's like, it's just, it's cool. Some people ride with it, but some people are like, hey, that boy G here don't shut up. Yeah, you can talk, but you be dropping gems, so I ain't mad at it's it. It's cool, but I'm, I want to do a little better. We're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna see, we're gonna see, we're gonna see. So let's um, let's take a step back. Okay, let's take a step back. Let's talk about foundation. Let's talk about childhood. Um, right before you got into media space, you got into dance and mm-hmm. all this other stuff, man. 
Um, tell us a little bit about childhood. Where are you from? Single parent household type deal? Multi-parent? Do you have any siblings? All that good stuff. Okay, so I am from Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Is there anything to do in Winston-Salem outside of like the furniture uh, uh, world and stuff like that? Man, Winston has changed so much. They're developing a lot of new stuff. Like every time I go back home, which is very rare, mm-hmm. it, it looks different. They're building a lot downtown parks and it's a lot of stuff to do. Don't mm-hmm. ask me what, but I'm just like, where? Oh, where did that bar get here? Oh, you can go there. That's a park. So <laughs> it's totally different. But um, Winston, Southside, Winston-Salem. It's crazy because my mom, I went down there to visit her and we... uh. We traveled back to different neighborhoods in which we grew, we grew up and she raised us. And mm-hmm. it was mind boggling to see where you come from and the conditions in which you were living and how you survived. It was crazy. Have you ever done that? Just go back home? Yeah, I think mine's, the conditions wasn't that. I mean, I'm only stayed in, when I moved to North Carolina, mm-hmm. it was really three places. Yeah. So we lived in the same house for like, 15 years, which was oh, a nice house. Gotcha, so it was like, gotcha. it's my mom, my stepdad, but I call my dad. So my, my optics are a little different. I go back and it's changed, but it's mm-hmm. not like, wow, I made it from there. It's like, okay, cool. That's what's up. It yeah, was like, my, wow. My, yours is kind of Yo, like. Yo, we came from that. It was tough. It was, it was pretty tough. It came from a single parent household. I grew up with my sister. Um, we have different fathers. And uh, my dad was. In and out of my life. I don't really know him like that. And once I reached like a certain age, I want to say like middle school, he just flat out disappeared. So it was really me watching my mom like figure out how the hell she's going to take care of me and my sister by herself and working numerous jobs and just doing it. You Not much time to really cultivate a lot of relationships or, yeah. you know what I'm saying? A, like what well, we may consider some of us as listening in a real life. Real life, yeah. She's going through it. So she didn't have a lot of time to devote to me or making it to a lot of my games or a lot of things like that. And it took me becoming an adult to realize she had to get it how she lived. Like, she had to take care of us. So I had to deal with that. Um, Dad wasn't really around, but my mom made sure I was active. Like, Mm -hmm. I do remember going to camps. Yeah, You know what I'm saying? Having the whole... (laughs) Uh, summer camp feel, going to the recreation center up the street, having yeah. friends, going to the neighborhood, uh, playing with the neighborhood kids around the corner. Um, what else? I mean, I was always very, very, very shy. Like when I was tiny, I used to be like a mute. I would not talk. That, why do you think that was? Um, why do I? I never really thought of why I was so quiet. I just really was. My sister, she was more so. We're nine years apart. Okay. So I grew up nine years older. Nine years older. She is. Okay. She's nine years older than I. So I always just used to look up to her. And it was basically sometimes I felt like I was the only child because it's like she's in my eyes. She's grown. Yeah. But it was just me. So I would be in my own little world playing with my little dolls or, you know, I don't know why I was so quiet. I wouldn't really say much, but my thoughts were very loud. I was very mm. observant. And when I was little, I always knew that I would speak up one day. Mm. I always knew that. There would come a day when Morgan was going to open up her mouth and tell folk how I feel. I just <laughs> didn't know in what aspect. I remember I used to love radio, though. Mm-hmm. And it's so crazy. Like, I used to say to myself, I'm going to do that one day. I think I could do that. And it got to the point where I would be in the back seat of the car riding around with my mom. And I could tell when a commercial was going to come on. Mm-hmm. Or I would know when a certain song was going to play. Or... I knew all of the names of the radio personalities and I'm 
picking up programming. And I don't know wow. what it's called, but now thinking back, I'm like, wow, I kind of knew the programming system. Mm-hmm. When I was a child, music was everything. My mom played all types of music at the crib from rock, James Brown, funk, Pavarotti, opera, all types of music. Wow. So I I have a vast um, knowledge of music. Music is my heart. My mom would play music from sun up to sundown. Sometimes she would blast James Brown on a school day and, <laughs> until midnight. And I'm like, yo, I got to go to sleep, but yeah. I ain't going to tell mom to chill out. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So music was Cut always... Brown off, okay. You say that to a black woman back she then, ain't trying to trouble, hear trouble. Exactly. She wasn't trying to hear that. So music was always very key in my home. Um, my mom did what she had to do to take care of us. My sister, I used to look up to her because she was nine years older than I am. Mm-hmm. And I know overall, I, I'd say I had a happy childhood, but we went through some some real stuff. How often did y'all move? Um, I could say about three, four times. Yeah, three, four times. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So how'd you end up at A&T? Man. Oh, gosh. So I went to Parkland High School and I was a part of the Dancing Devs. So dancing devs. Dancing devs in the marching band. So I started Y'all, out. And you light skin too. Y'all probably the funny acting high school girls. I already no. know. I already know, man. I w- was I the only <laughs> light skin girl in the crew? Most of my most of my homegirls is dark skin or brown skin. Okay. So yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But anyway, well, I was a dancing dev and we danced in the marching band. And I just loved it. Like I took to it. I ended up being a captain. And I would come home and I found out about Golden Delight. And I was like, Oh, I got to be one of those. I used to come home, get on the computer and watch <laughs> band clips for hours. Yeah. I would memorize the dance steps, all that. And I was like, I'm going to a and I'm sick of dancing for y'all because it was messy. <laughs> I'm going to A&T. So I started going to what's called prep classes with Golden Delight in 2007. So this was before I could even try out. Mm-hmm. I'm learning all of their dance moves. I'm learning how to twirl flag, twirl baton. So by the time that I'm able to try out, I'm going to be ready. Yeah. They knew me by name by the yeah. time I could try out. Mm-hmm. And that was it. I knew that I wanted to go to A&T to become a Golden Delight. I did not know what I was going to major in. I would figure it out on my way. Or once mm-hmm. I get there, A&T was the only place I applied. Like, growing up, my mom, she wasn't really strict on me as far as grades or Things like that. As long as you came home alive and you, came home, you ain't coming with no boy or you ain't okay. pregnant, you good. I'm good. She <laughs> she had other stuff to worry about. Are you passing? Where your where your report card? We good? We good. That's what that's what it was. So I didn't really I wasn't really challenged academically like that. So I was just like, I just know I gotta get to A and T, try out for Golden Delight, and get the hell up out of Winston Salem. Mm-hmm. I felt like if I stayed in Winston, I wouldn't reach success mm-hmm. going back to that. And you had to like first, Winston and Greensboro are like 20, 30 minutes away. Going right? up the street, just yeah, up the so, highway. But, I mean, that's, but it's it's crazy. We have um sometimes that duality uh, as a black person where mm-hmm. it's like, man, if 30 minutes, but I wonder, do, do white people think like that? Do they be like, yo, if I just get from Cary to Raleigh, <laughs> is my life is gonna change? Listen, I just need to get out of Cary. I don't I know. Get out of Raleigh. I don't and know. And then we have to take this into a world, but that's we can go left right there. But I always just it's always funny. It it, it tickles me. Um, that we have to really process that at a younger age. Mm-hmm. Like, yo, if I really want to make it out and put some put some respect on my name, I got I got to make I got to make moves and how thirty minutes could can be a, a, a can change a lifetime. Yeah. Right, that's how I was. Like a lot of my friends. Well, 
I ha- I was fortunate to hang out with girls who would they were about their studies. My crew, they were about their studies and they were inspiring to me. So we were all just talking about college. So that was inspiring, you know. Of course, my mom's like, girl, you got to go to college now. I don't know which one you want to go to, but we're (laughs) going to work it out. Go somewhere. Go somewhere. Exactly. Go somewhere. And then you had the other population of people where it's just like, they don't know what they're doing after they graduate high school. Yeah. They don't know. They don't have any plans. And then there were a number of girls whom I went to school with in high school who had babies. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They're teenagers having kids, like mm-hmm. real babies. Yeah. I said, no, I don't want that to be me. No shade. Yeah. I just didn't want that for my life. You get what yeah. I'm saying? And that's what I was around. Some people were engaged in drug activity. You know, I saw yeah. a lot of stuff coming up at a young age. And we were we were out here getting it. I ain't going to act like I was innocent out here in these yeah. streets when I was in high school. I seen a lot of stuff. So by the time I got to A&T, nothing was new, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Nothing was new. Yeah. So yeah. I just knew that going to college was going to provide me another way, uh, an opportunity. You know what I'm saying? And I always, I would always go off of like a different world. I just felt like college was going to be a lit. different world. It was a soundtrack to it a was. lot of collegiate, like what it was going to be. How I felt gonna like move, that was it. That the was archetype of people, archetype of men, archetype of, of women. Hey, where's our different world now? Do we have? We one? need that. We really need that. I know they tried to revamp it. With not revamp it, but blackish. No, uh, I love the spinoff blackish. to blackish. Grownish, nah, grown-ish, grown-ish they're trying to make it like a whole different world. I but respect, I wasn't feeling it. First of all, I love blackish, and I just I, I just came into love like a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Grownish a little different. I think it's like for the hipster chic black people, and I'm like, that's not the black experience because it's it got a lot going on. Let's leave it right there. Mm-hmm. So I respect grownish, but I'm like, that ain't it. That ain't it. That some people were really trying to compare it to a different world, and I'm like, nah, you know, black people in it. Nah. It is like it's not an archetype of black folk. It's mm-hmm. like, nah, bruh. Uh-huh. That wasn't it. So I feel you on that. But I definitely had that image of the HBCU instilled in me because of a different world. So I had that going for me. I had Golda Delight. Yeah. And I was like, I gotta get away from home. Yeah. So I just chose AT, legit, the only school that I applied to, and I knew in my heart that I was gonna get in. Mm-hmm. And it it just happened that way. And so before we get into the media journey, talking about media and then eventually being a professor, I do want to ask one thing about your time at A&T because I don't want to belabor that. Um, but at A&T, man, what, what would you say was your top, top couple takeaways that you learned about yourself in college? Yeah, about Whoa. college. Not college culture because I used to always say, oh, what did college teach you? And it's like, ah. But and also to all my audience, man, after she shares what she, she, she's, she's doing, I want you to pause it wherever you're listening to in your car. Um, at the gym or whatever. Not, if you're in the gym, don't pause and keep listening. <laughs> but anywhere else, man, I want you to pause. And honestly, if you did the college route or even that that 18 to 22 year phase, man, I want you to really think about what did you learn during that time period? But for yourself, man, what did you learn about yourself? Because that's a weird, because you're not an adult yet, but you're an adult. So it's right. a weird thing. It's like a, I don't know. So many things are going through my mind right now. Oh, one, because I tell my students all the time, and you just said it, but you're legit looked at as an adult. Like, mm-hmm. you really got to take, what am I trying to say? You have to take initiative in college. Mm-hmm. Like, no one is going to hand you anything in college. And had I known that, like, I feel like I would have done more to create opportunities for myself, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So I learned that I spent a lot of time not building in mm-hmm. college while I was there. I was partying my ass off at <laughs> Do you hear me? And 
I could have been networking. Uh I could have started my own show earlier on. I could have my YouTube channel solidified by now. I could. The it girl. The it girl. In college, you get what I'm saying? That's what all you got all the buzz. You got all the hype. Man, Everybody talking so much stuff to talk about. Like, these people don't realize, like, yo, there's so much stuff to talk about. So much. You can really leverage that and blow up, especially in the media space. There's a lot of media to be created. It's so much. So many things that I wish I would have done. So, Taking initiative, not waiting on people to give you an opportunity, but creating an opportunity. And um, that taught me a lot. And I see my students now. Mm-hmm. Man, do they take initiative. They are doing mm-hmm. wonderful things. And I'm like, wow, you're just a freshman and you're already you already got a business. You got an LLC oh, and you just got here. Yeah. You snagged your first internship and you're only in your set. You're in your second semester here. That's what I'm talking about. I learned that at the, at a, at the last minute. You know what I'm saying? So I learned that I have to step up and take initiative if I want to succeed in mm-hmm. life. Since that's, that seems like a theme for today. Success yeah. and succeeding. But I'm not going to let you escape it. <laughs> also, what, did, what else did you learn about yourself? Oh, yourself? man. Okay. I also learned. Ooh, man. <laughs> See, I know this is how it usually happens. Everybody processes everything in their mind. Like, okay. What do I want to share? What do I want to share? What do I want to share here? There's so many things. I mean, I can talk about relationships and I can talk about, you know what? I say grad school. When Mm -hmm. I was at ANT, I literally and finally figured out that I'm dealing with mental health issues such Mm -hmm. as depression and anxiety. Mm -hmm. So in undergrad, I didn't know what the hell was going on with me, man. Like Mm -hmm. there would be times where I would be knocked out. I wasn't going to work. I wasn't going to classes. I didn't understand why I was so irritable all the time. I didn't understand why my hands were trembling just casually. I didn't understand why certain social uh, environments would cause me to cave in. I didn't understand why I would have this heightened sense of fear just going to classes or just going about my everyday life. I didn't understand why I felt this incredible sense of sadness and this is all during undergrad so I feel like oh maybe I'm just sad you know or maybe I'm just heartbroken over an ex or I'm or maybe I'm just drinking because I'm just trying to get away not piecing together that Morgan one you're dealing with depression two you're dealing with anxiety and I didn't know what was wrong with me so once I got into grad school I say I was about 24 Everything just started to click and make sense. And it just clicked to me that, Mm -hmm. wow, Morgan, this is anxiety. This is depression. This is why you were acting out in undergrad. This is why you were turning to liquor because you felt on a daily basis, you're dealing with so much anxiety that you would feel empowered once you drink liquor because you won't feel scared anymore. You'll be at ease. You'll say what you feel. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't understand why I was doing that, those things. But once I got into grad school, I started reading and just learning about life and things would just come to me, like why I would act certain certain ways back then. Mm -hmm. I just started to understand and process behavior, uh, my character traits. I would understand how my childhood affects today. You know what I'm saying? And why? I don't know. it, It just came to me. So I learned about mental health issues. Why I acted the way that I acted in undergrad and how to combat those things. It's crazy, you know, you think about it. And majority of people that are, that are, that went to HBCU or just been in college anyways, 
it's crazy. It's great, but it's really could be very a toxic environment in certain extent because you have so many young people between eighteen to twenty two that are are doing a lot to cope. It's like yes. everybody is drinking for some reason. Mm-hmm. Why, like why do people drink so much in college? Like why? Because we're battling so much. Yes, and then you add in relationship piece and you trying to learn but in college specifically HBCU where there's so much around there's mm-hmm. so many it's like it's going to a buffet like whatever if you like light skin <laughs> hey there's going to be 20 of them you like tall dark well, there's going to be 20 of them and it's, it's like real. your mind is not we're not built to handle that type of options it's it, a lot it's not and then you're processing stuff and then it's like it's just and people are not really grown yet. Some mm-hmm. people never grow up, but we're really not grown yet. Not at all. And we're making grown decisions. Credit yeah. cards, apartments. Everything. So yeah. this, we have to, you're drinking, you acting now, you're in parties, you're mm-hmm. doing all this other stuff that we ain't gonna talk about on air. And it's yeah. like, and then you, you 23, 24, and you're out. And it's like your detox moments. You like, whoa, <laughs> I, how was I drinking this much? Like crazy. And, and you're right. A lot of students in undergrad are legit coping through a lot of different things. And what, what is interesting to me as a professor now of English, I highlight and stress the importance of writing. Yeah. So my students, once they come into my classroom, some people hate it, some people love it, and some people see the benefit later on. Mm-hmm. They come into my classroom, and the first thing that they do, they are writing, handwriting, mm-hmm. to paper, pencil to paper, because think of yeah. when was the last, well, you probably, you yeah, got your yeah. paper I right always, now. I always do, but I, I see it all the time. But you see a well, lot of kids, people, they don't do no, they don't write, they don't handwrite at all. They use their phones, type in text and type in text. And no, not a lot of people are actually sitting down and putting pen or pencil to paper anymore. And that's how you generate ideas. That's how you lock ideas down. And once you, I, there's a study out there that shows that once you, write something down repeatedly, it helps retain information. Yeah. So I see the benefit in that. So I encourage my students to handwrite each class. So sometimes I'll give them a free write and boy, do they put it all on paper. Like I I let them know, Hey, I'm reading these, but I'm turning, I'm throwing them away after that. Yeah. And they spill it out. They spill their guts onto paper. And it's like, Oh, I'm dealing with this at home or I'm dealing with anxiety and depression right now. I just got, bent last night because I'm dealing with this and it's just like these babies trying to cope too nothing's Man. new question on that though because I think there's something that artists can get from it um, if you had to give uh, a free writing exercise right now imagine the audience is your class mm-hmm. what does that even look like and how could they get something from it because I think that's there's something powerful in there for, for anybody of all ages I mean what is it really what is it really it's just like you just no, take 30 they- minutes and just Right. They just sit and we only do we well, my classes are only 50 minutes. So mm-hmm. I let them write for at least 10 to 15 minutes. Sometimes I'll just say at least write a paragraph. Mm-hmm. Get something down because just practice the writing process. But I'll have some students who end up with two pages full of writing in 10 minutes to 15 minutes because they obviously had to get something off of their chest. So if you are interested in the writing process, just sit down and write whatever comes to you. It's a free write. Whatever. Just let it flow. Mm, You'll mm. be surprised what comes out. So as we transition from um from ANC to now, okay, we're a little bit past crash back or we're in grad school, but now we're thinking like, let's get into this media space. Okay. I want to find out where that where that seed, I mean, outside of when you were a little kid, where that seed got planted. Mm-hmm. But before we do, um, I do have to ask this question, like, what do you think is what do you think is the most pivotal thing to happen during your growing years to have a dramatic impact on your on your the shape of your life. Like, um, it don't have to be bad. It could be good. Mm-hmm. But like, 
that had a real impact on the way you move and see the world? Two things come to mind. Two things come to mind. Number one, and I will shout this to the mountaintop. My homeboy, Figo B, he legit taught me how to breathe. Like, I've been breathing incorrectly for the longest. Okay, and what do you mean? So, when you breathe, you're supposed to breathe from your diaphragm. That way, you're using majority of your lung capacity and getting as much air and oxygen circulating in your body to your brain. So with me dealing with anxiety, I would breathe from my chest and I'm restricting the airflow, number Mm -hmm. one. And with me breathing from my chest and with my nerves always on edge, I'm always in fight or flight mode. That's making me even more nervous. Mm -hmm. So he taught me how to breathe diaphragmatically. Breathe from your diaphragm. It is. Yes. So it calms you down, slows down your heart rate. And he told me to be mindful, practice mindfulness and meditate. Mm -hmm. Change my damn life. Mm -hmm. So whenever I feel anxiety stirring in my spirit or I'm in I've been in front of my students and I could feel an anxiety attack just build. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, my God. So I put my hand on my tummy Mm -hmm. and just breathe deeply. So when you breathe in, your stomach should come out. When you let it go, your belly goes in. And it would it dramatically improved my mood. It would calm me down. And that's the basis of meditation. When you're breathing properly, you sit, you make sure that you're present and you're being mindful of your breath, breathing in your, breathing from your diaphragm and just allowing thoughts to be. So with anxiety, I'm oftentimes dealing with turbulent thoughts, irrational fears, and it's constant, mm-hmm. which is making my body nervous. And it's like, where's the peace? You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So with breathing, being mindful, being present in the moment instead of focusing on the future or things that I can't control, being present, breathing, releasing my inner calm. I'm yeah. good to go. And that has been, oh, so liberating. And it sounds so simple, but I'm telling you, it was deep for me. Yeah. So, man. I mean, you did. Yeah, yeah. That was one. And then I remember 2016, I also had another friend. Um, I reached out to him because, uh, life was really getting out of hand. And I just, without telling him what I was going through, mm-hmm. I was like, man, I think I need help. Mm-hmm. In a vulnerable moment, I just said that. He said, Morgan, go to therapy. Mm-hmm. What you waiting on? Mm-hmm. This is urgent. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, he's right. So I started going to therapy and it was liberating as hell you actually get to sit down and talk to somebody who is bound by law not to share your information because you know sometimes you might tell a friend you might tell your family members what's going on with you and you don't get the response that you want you don't get the response that you need yeah they could be judgmental they can give you bad advice or they can give you no response at all and you just sitting there like damn i'm (laughs) vulnerable as hell with you right now and this is not what i wanted in return so when you have a good therapist, somebody that understands you culturally, who can give you st- strategies to combat your day or whatever issues that you're having. If you find a therapist who can understand or break down the root of your issues, mm-hmm. who could talk to you about your childhood and how that affects you and your behavior now, it's very enlightening. And it's it's serious uh, spiritual work to really come face to face with whatever you're dealing with. But those strategies. You're learning more about yourself and you're learning more about how to move forward. Super beautiful journey it's been since I've been going 
going to therapy and breathing and meditating and being on my Zen shit. Yeah. I'm sorry. I curse. (laughs) Nah, it's all good. It's all good. It's all good, man. That was a, that was a lot. (laughs) No, no, no. It was a lot of good stuff. Like, no, 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 no. It was a lot of good stuff. Like, seriously, seriously, seriously. I think there's a lot of stuff that people, the listeners can, uh, can definitely take away from, um, then honestly, like, I mean, people should pay to hear this. It's crazy. <laughs> Serious. Um, all right. So let's go to Path to 102 Jams because I know as we talk off camera and just in general, it's been a long journey. Man, what? And in this industry is a long journey to a long journey. Man, it's like what? probably like Moses. It's like, yo, you you 40 years and then you we still gotta go. We still gotta get there. We gotta obey you too. Still. So it's like, all right, so, so tell you, when did the seed get planted? Cause you went from um you say a self-proclaimed mute as a kid. Yes, I did. And then um, so now we're at college, we wilding out, but we mm-hmm. get in the pocket in grad school. But when did it say, okay, I really want to do this media thing? And then if you could, after you say that, I'm just gonna let you just narrate from then until actually now. Okay. So I'm just gonna give you free reign. All right. So the seed why is so loud. Okay, the seed being planted, right? So, of course, I had the desire when I was a child, but going to a and I majored in journalism and mass comm, and I had to get an internship. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, I always wanted to work for 102 Jams. Like, I could do that. Yeah. That's my home station. I'm from Winston-Salem. That's what we listen to. And I always try to listen to it during 102. 97.5 is cool. Mm-hmm. 102, man. See? 102 had it's the sauce station. on it. Yeah. It's the 102, the hip-hop station. I grew up with it. I have been familiar with almost every personality mm-hmm. since I was a toddler. Like, it's crazy that I work with some of these people. It trips me out to this day, but I'd be chilling now. Yeah. But um, <laughs> so I had to get an internship and I was like, man, I'm about to just figure this out. So I follow BDOT mm-hmm. on Facebook. Yeah. And I followed him on, it was his Facebook back then. And I found his email. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yo, I'm about to bug him so i remember being in uh dr mariba's class shout out any aggies jomc dr mariba r.i.p i love him um in his class i was not listening to dr mariba i'm up here emailing Dot, sending him a resume that i just made up like mm-hmm. just trying to put my foot forward like yeah let me in the building so when is the intern meeting when can i come when is the intern meeting very persistent probably annoying but it got his attention yeah so he finally hit me up he was like morgan intern meeting is this day pull up what uh-huh. man since then i have not left that was like 2010 2011 so yeah. i was his intern beat us intern that's uh-huh. crazy but before that i would do psas at wnaa on campus of mm-hmm. a t so i was actually hands-on in there you know trying to figure it out um cracking open the mic reading mm-hmm. my little scripts and i was like man it's cool in here i like it you're yeah. in a little booth by yourself and you get to listen to music. And I'm like, man, this is the life. I, I like this. Yeah. And I would see other personalities who had their own shows just in their vibing. I was like, man, this seems like a cool job. Every day. You just Every come day. Here to talk. Exactly. You get paid to be yourself. Yeah. You get paid to be yourself. And for me, as a black person who is, oh, I know it sounds crazy because I teach English, but code switching <laughs> is fucking exhausting. Mm-hmm. It's exhausting. Like having to change how you speak based on the environment in which you are it's placed. It's disgusting too, because it's not really it's code switching is is we quite frankly, is really more meant for our culture than anything. Cause we're coaching to somebody else's culture. Exactly. We had to assimilate. And it's just like, I don't talk like that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Why do I have to change who I am to appease you? 
And that's something that I talk about in my class as well. Like, yes, you the have King's to, language. you know, we have to, I have to let you know that you are being assessed by your way, your usage of the English language, standard American English. I call it academic language. Yes. However, there's no proper way to really speak. It's, it changes. Language changes every time. And it's mm-hmm. cultural. It's not remedial. I, I go through all of those. Yeah. So, uh, damn, I lost my train of thought. We were rolling. Nah, WNAA. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you get paid to be yourself. Like, I can come in here and speak my mother tongue. This is how I talk. This is how I grew up talking. This is how the people that I grew up around yeah. in my community, they know what I'm saying. The people who listen to me know what I'm saying. Yeah, the people that listen. Exactly. They, if they, they feel me because yeah. this is me. And I get, to, I get paid. And before that, I would do this for free. I interned yeah. for years. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't even on the mic for a while. You know what I'm saying? I started just around the mic. Just around it. And I'm like, man, I have to do this. I would see B Dot and them having a ball. B Dot, Tasha Makia, uh, Kyle Santillian. Kyle Santillian is the man in Chicago right now. The man. Yeah, he, he went to Chicago. Chicago. He he was when Kanye was doing that whole meltdown, yeah. they had him on his show, like major wow. guests every week with Kendra G Media. He's doing the thing. Uh, B dot, we all know B dot. Yeah, wild yeah, yeah. out, like you know, what I'm so, you know what I'm saying. So, I get to see these people in action and see how they're grinding and uh, using their voice for positive change in the community. And I'm like, man, I want to do that. And plus, you're around music. Music is everything. Yeah, it is. Like, I get to be in a booth by mm. myself, <laughs> listening to music, talking <laughs> to people. Sign me up. Yeah, sign me up. So that that really encouraged me getting that that internship and just working my way to the top. When I first got here, I was getting beat out and them breakfast. Mm-hmm. What <laughs> like, they eat? They would go to Bojangles. Okay. I would have to go <laughs> do Bojangles runs. That was my job as an intern. Uh-huh. Or if they needed audio, I would have to go find it, like record it, shoot it over to them while they're live on air. Like that's the type of stuff I was doing. And I was like, man, I want to show them that I want to be here. So whatever they needed, I would do. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Whether it was, Working an event, uh, setting up an event, looking for audio, writing out scripts, whatever it was, you have to be diligent and humble enough to do it while you're working your way to the top. So flash forward, life happened, car blew up, couldn't get here. And you have to be here early as hell in the morning. Yeah. 4 a.m. That was call time for interns. Yikes. Right. Because the morning. 4 a.m. 4 a.m. During the weekday. And mind you, I had class, too. So after I leave my leave 102 Jams after helping the Wild Out Wake Up Show, yeah. I would have to go to class at A&T. Uh-huh. And then after that, I would have to go to band practice. Wow. And after that, do it all over again type stuff. Mm-hmm. The grind. But I loved it. I did it for free. I didn't care. But I did need it to graduate, too. Yeah. That's what really, like, got the ball rolling on that. So mm-hmm. shout out to Miss Wiggins. Um, but yeah, flash forward, life happened. I was like, man, I got to get back in this building. So I... Chris Lee hit me up. Mm-hmm. He was like, man, you just went natural. I need somebody on my show. Yeah, shout out to Chris Lee. Shout out Chris Lee, my boy. I need somebody on my show. Talk about natural hair. Uh-huh. You just chopped all your hair off. Come through. I was uh-huh. like, bet. He don't know I'm not about to leave, though. <laughs> he does not know that this is my ticket back in the building. Yep, yep. So yep. he actually let me on air. And it was a dynamic discussion. I was just letting people have it because I was going through it once I chopped all my hair off. People did that's, not That's what know. happens. I mean, Man. for the most part, black, black women that's listening don't hate me. 
But I don't know when the, when the big time comes. It's oh, serious. It's, hey, that's when people get real because you have to camouflage no more. You like you gonna see, you gonna hear what I want to say, and you gonna yeah. That's it. All of that energy I was giving it. Okay, you're gonna get this bare face. Get with it. My head, yeah, it's shaped this way. What's up? Don't come at me when my my twist out is popping. Okay, uh-huh. love me with the big chop or get gone. But anyway, it was a great discussion. I was like, hey, um, you need help next Sunday? I got you next Sunday. Got an idea for next Sunday, like persistent. He yeah. was like, come through. You could be on air. What? So I was on air for almost a year. Wow. Every Sunday. Every Sunday, I would just show up. This man is letting me on air. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if y'all hear me. Like, wait, when I interned for the Wild Out Wake Up Show at BDI, I was getting coffee mm-hmm. and biscuits and just doing audio. Chris Lee put me on the mic. And one day, my boss, he was like, hey, you're Morgan. I was like, yeah. So he was like, come in my office. I'm scared as hell. I've never met the big man in charge around yeah, here. Yeah, the Wizard of Oz. The Wizard of Oz. That's what it felt like. He was like, yo. Well, he didn't say yo. I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> yo, uh, you've been doing this for quite some time. I, I, I'm going to extend a job to you. I said, what? I'm in here. I'm in here. Got my <laughs> job part-timing it up. Uh-huh. Two hours of worth of radio time every Sunday. Uh-huh. I'm hype. I'm going to work my way up to the top. Y'all don't know. I don't know how I'm going to do this, but it's going to happen. Yeah. And that's the fire that you got to have, especially with this industry, because, again, nobody's going to hand you anything. Mm-hmm. You have to be intentional and you have to um, take ownership of what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Like if there were commercials that needed to be done, do you need help? Mm-hmm. Can I do this commercial spot? That's my way of trying to get my voice on air. They don't know I'm trying to yeah. what I'm trying to build here. I'm I'm saying, hey, I'm a help. I'm yeah. gonna do this, but I'm plotting at the same time. I'm gonna work my way up, and mm-hmm. that's what it's been. That's what radio is all about. You ask any radio personality, I won't say any, but a lot of radio personalities that are serious about the craft and the business, their hustle to the top is similar. Mm-hmm. You have to be humble. You have to be hungry, and you gotta go get it. Mm. So that being said, though, because I want to go into uh, a radio personality or even a creative's head, but specifically in a radio personality where. So every specifically, I remember back in the day, you were saying back in like last year, you on air every single day. Mm -hmm. So what does that look like showing up and creating every single day when days where you don't feel like getting there, you don't feel like being here and they here. And now you got two hours. You got five hours. And of course, there's music during this time. Mm -hmm. But you just can't be out here just saying anything. So what does that even look like? How do you, the days you don't want to be here, every single day you got to be here? Man, going back to that year, which was last year, it was tough because I was, I saw the the full-time position on the horizon. It's just like I had a lot of other things going on, but I'm like, I got to get to it. Got to get to it. I'm teaching 8 a.m. classes. Teaching from 8 a.m. until about 2, 3. Mm-hmm. After I teach at a and I come to the station. I show prep. I do commercials. I'm editing. And how long do you take on show prep? Huh? Show oh, prep? Yeah. I mean, what helps me is throughout the week, I'm following trends. So I'm on Twitter. I'm on The Shade Room. I'm on IG. I'm on Bossip. I'm on all of the entertainment yep, news yep, sites. Yep. And I screenshot news or trends that's popping. Or if a thread is, is lit on Twitter, I'm saving it throughout the week. So mm-hmm. by the time I get to the actual station, I'm just compiling all of this information and figuring out how I'm going to lay it out when I'm live. Mm -hmm. So after class, I'm at the station until about seven when I went live, seven to midnight. It's lit. 
It's lit. And I have to give some day. Like I told you, radio doesn't stop for anybody. Yeah. And 102 Jams is a, a different radio station because we have 24-hour live coverage. We have a DJ in here at all times where other radio stations, they're cutting down for monetary gain yeah. where they can have maybe three DJs. They can voice track or pre-record their show and go about their business. So you'll have stations that are empty, but the show is rolling because mm-hmm. it's pre-recorded. Not us. It's live. Wow. It's energy. It's on. So it doesn't matter if I'm sick, mm-hmm. if I'm not feeling well, mm-hmm. if something happened dramatic, you still got to show up and give. It's showtime. It's entertainment. And people can't, people shouldn't be able to tell that you are down. Yeah. And it's been like that before. I've had serious things happen. And it's just like, yo, I got to go on air. I just bawled in the car, like stuff like that. But then on the flip side, I've gone through stuff personally where it's like, man, I got to go on air. I'm ready for this. This is what Mm -hmm. I've been waiting for all week. It's been a tough week. I'm ready to get in this studio, cut the music on blast, (laughs) Uh answer some phones so I can laugh because people are going to call in with love or whatever shenanigans they have. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to let it all go because I'm at the job of my dreams. So. It it has its pros and cons. Some days I don't feel like it. I was exhausted last year. I don't even know how I was surviving. <laughs> I don't know, but I did it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Because it was still an opportunity. So, but yeah, wow. sometimes, a lot of times radio is like my icing on the cake after a long mm. work week. Is there, a, is there a common thread? Not a common thread, but is there a common way that you take a step back? Did you learn, how did you learn radio or how to like to go interpersonal interviewing skills and all that stuff? Is it like a book you had to go through? Is it like everybody has their own style or is there certain things you can do and certain things you know is not to do? Like when you came into the game, like how did you even pick up like the little stuff as far as communicating with others and driving the show? Man, radio, a lot of what I've learned has been on the fly. Yeah. From trial and error. A lot of it has been from observation. So when I wasn't on air, I would just come here on my off days or on lunch break yeah. just to watch somebody. Uh-huh. And I would listen. I always listen to B-Dye. I listen to a lot of other personalities to see how they engage with their listeners, how they're pre- prepping their show or what kind of content they're producing. So I would learn from Give observation. Give us some inside scoops. Give us some like some things that we can kind of individualize. I'm always curious for mm-hmm. other people that's like on the mic. Because everybody the has mic. their own thing. Well, okay. I say with Chris Lee, with this whole news situation, Chris is spot on with coming up with questions out of the blue. Like, and meanwhile, I'm still processing what yeah. people are saying. Uh-huh. He's on to the next question, and I don't. And it's there are questions that really have a major impact. And I'm yeah. like, how in the hell is he coming it's up quick, with this stuff? I it's quick. I remember I was like, yo, 30 minutes. I was like, good, go. He boy, flies. Hey, calm down. He flies. <laughs> and it's questions that you have to really sit and think, but he's already ahead of you. And sometimes, I'm going to keep it hot with you. Sometimes it's so early in the morning, we have not done our show prep for straight talk. Uh-huh. But the beauty part and what I learned from him, you fill out your, your interviewee. Yeah. What's their energy like? And you tap into something personable. Now, mm-hmm. I did learn this from, I learned this from Chris Lee and B-Dot. They're mm-hmm. so personable. And you can have somebody who's kind of guarded on air, and that's yeah. the worst. But they will figure out a question that's personal to make them open up. Once mm-hmm. you get that, yeah, you're good to go. Uh-huh. You're good to go. So being personable, asking the right questions, like, on time. Yeah. Like keeping that rhythm going and questions that have an impact. Yeah. Because that's hard to do. Yeah. Specifically, probably when you, as you, as 
when you're interviewing people that's been interviewed a thousand times. Right. How are you going to make this different? Hey, man. So how did you get started, Kanye? Damn, mm-hmm. bro. We done watch every, especially now, everybody got YouTube channels. Everybody got that's their true. own medium. So what, how, without being, not coonish, but without, without just being outlandish. Uh-huh. But sometimes outlandish got drink champs. So then, then cats outlandish. So Joe Budden outlandish. He is. So what the heck? Academics outlandish. Like mm-hmm. outlandish sales. So I guess. It does. But to a certain extent. With radio, you have to be very much yeah. so particular about what you say because of FCC regulations. Uh-huh. Certain curse words we cannot say or the station will be charged. Wow. Uh, you have to be careful about what you you can't solicit things over the I'm air. I'm glad I'm never on radio. I, be, be, I mean, luckily I don't go too left. Uh-huh. But I say a lot of stuff about race and a lot of other stuff. But continue, continue, continue. Okay, because I, I could say a lot about yeah. that. I, I talk about race too. And uh-huh. it's I've had that talk where it's like, Morgan, you may want to <laughs> settle down a little bit. You know, we have white listeners. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, but they could get it too. Like, yeah. we're going to talk about race. We're going to talk about yeah. stuff that's that matters. But um, you have to be careful about what you say, curse words. You know how, some, well, I don't know if people be hitting you up like, hey, can you promote this for me? We got an event happening down the street. Uh, Radio's, yeah. Nah, yeah, nah, you nah. got to play my music. Like, it doesn't work like that. Yeah. It's a business, number one. So people say, Morgan, we got an event. Can you talk about it on air? No, I cannot. If it's not directly affiliated with the station, I can't just go on air and be like, hey, check out uh, <laughs> Black Barbie Hair Salon. Like, they got a, a deal going on right now. Yeah. I can't do that. And people think I'm being... Hollywood, as you would say, like, yeah, but I'm like, not. So y'all about to get bread. We ain't gonna get nothing. And it just. I'm gonna lose my job because yeah. I'm soliciting. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I have to be careful about that. Um, I have to be careful about um music. Like, I can't just go on and play the type of music that I want. There's a show program. That's what a program director does. So if I go in and do whatever I want to do, he's going to have an issue with me. So people yeah. don't know the background of how radio works. They don't know about the sales department. They don't know how about commercial spots. They're like, Morgan, I got this going on. Talk about it. Can you make a commercial? You have to go to sales for that. There's a hierarchy and there's a a, a, a way of a way to do business with radio. It's just not just a free-for-all on yeah. the air. It's it's a business and it's corporate. That's mm-hmm. what some people really don't know. It's corporate as hell, down mm-hmm. to the numbers, down to what we play down to the programming, down to the sales, down to the commercials, down to who is in the building, who's on the mic. It's programming. It's corporate. It's real. Mm. So with that being said, let's go back to scale real quick. Mm. How have you seen, uh, what are the two biggest areas as far as your craft that you've grown in as your time on the mic? Uh-huh. Like, what, what, where have you grown in? Like, where were you when you first started? Like, first of all, where were you weak at? And then where have oh. you grown in? I, I like to always hear because I, I haven't even thought about it myself. But I want to hear you think about it. <laughs> Man, so when I was on the mic at first, again, mm-hmm. shaking, shambles, stuttering, all types of stuff. Unless Chris would lock me in. If we're having like a dynamic conversation, I would forget I'm on air. That's the goal. Yeah, that's said. always the goal. That's the goal. But when it was me, yeah. when I got those solo, solo shifts, dolo. I was like, yo, when that on-air sign comes on and that mic is on, mm-hmm. it's like things get real. It's like, oh, the world can hear me. 20,000 people can hear me right now. What are you going to say, girl? Make it count. And it's like, uh. yeah. I used to stutter. I would stutter. Sometimes I would mess up. Um, I would sound scripted because I would show prep like a mug due to my anxiety. I'm yeah. trying to make sure everything is on point. I'm in control. I know what I'm going to say, so I won't stutter. But I would overplan yeah. to the point where I'm calculated. And my voice 
I didn't know that with radio, you use your regular speaking voice. They mm-hmm. don't want an announcer. Yeah. They want a personality. They want you. Yeah. So I would go on air, well, too, Jan, like trying to change <laughs> my voice. And I remember my boss was like, Morgan, why, why are you talking like that? I was like, like, what do you mean? He was like, Morgan, use your regular speaking voice. I was like, that's boring. He was like, no, it's not. Do you hear the inflection in your voice right now? You have the range. Be you. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, how do I be me on air? It's hard. Like, it's really hard. It sounds simple and it sounds like something easy because you're just talking in a mic. But actually knowing that a whole bunch of people are listening to you. You're running a program. You're doing all of these things. Yeah, because it's all not at just once. you sitting here talking. No, no you are doing cause things. Because you, you're mixing, you're uh-huh. doing stuff. It's like your mind is going, going people asking questions, you dialing in. So much. You look me in the way of time because music got it, because music got it. Timing is everything. Like I could be talking to a person on air. I have to monitor the time. I have to make sure this uh, this song is playing at the right levels, that the timing is off. I gotta make sure that the next song comes on. Don't let me have a contest and an event that's happening out on the streets because not only am I taking calls, recording them, editing them, and talking in the mic and making sure the music is downloaded, there is somebody on the soundboard that's calling me that I have to record as well. So people are like, hey, Morgan, we out here on the streets. You ready to record? And I'm like, man, I just got to take this call. It's so much. And then you have to be you naturally. Yeah. So that was the biggest and hardest thing for me to learn initially, how to just naturally, casually bring myself to the mic and not put on. Mm-hmm. And that takes, pra- it sounds crazy. It takes practice though. Like I would yeah. have to come in here and we have what's called an air check machine. So for those who are not familiar, air checks are a montage of your best audio from your shows. So I would come in here and pull my air checks. So they're my best breaks. Like I said, hey, 102 Jams, the hip-hop station. I could pull that. Mm -hmm. Something I said on air. Pull all those and listen to them. Is it an automated thing? Yes. So it automatically can tell you what your best spots are? No, it'll automatically pull every every piece of audio that you did for that show. Okay. So anytime I crack open that mic or press on, Uh it's being recorded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I can go back in the production room, use this machine, this air check machine. It's called a profiler, audio profiler or something like that. Pull it up. All my audio from my show. Anytime I talked on that mic, it's recorded. I can go back and listen to it. I can be like, ooh, I sounded crazy. Or, wow, that was a good break. Or, how can I do this better? Or, maybe if I show prep for this a little more. Or, changed my voice a little bit. Or, maybe if I just relaxed on that. You get what I'm saying? I could listen. Pinpoint areas in which I can improve. And just plot for my next show. But just try to be more relaxed. And it comes with practice. What they don't tell you is that. With radio, you could you could get all this stuff in a book. Somebody can tell you what to do until you're blue in the face, but until they're blue in the face, but you won't know until you're hands on in yeah. the mix. And a lot of stuff that I've learned has been on the fly while I'm in the mix or just happened to be around and just had to do some, some stuff on yeah. the fly. The first time I had to crack open, crack open the mic by myself, that happened because somebody didn't show up. Yeah. So I'm thinking I'm going brown. home. Mm hmm. I'm thinking I'm going home. Nah, somebody didn't show up for their show. So now you got to take over. Mm-hmm. So stuff like that on the fly. Just do man, it. That's practice. That's crazy, man. So let's let's transition a bit. So now we're done with shows. We as we getting close to the finale. All right. So we're now we're doing this. We're also teaching. I just want to ask one quick question on the teaching real quick before I get to some life stuff. Um, as far as the teaching, did you ever see yourself as a professor? 
Hell no. Like, it really trips me out to this day that I'm somebody's professor. It trips me out as well. Yo, like, I haven't left a and I've been at a and since 2008. <laughs> and it feels like home. Yeah. And in my mind, I'm still a student there. Like, that's how I feel when I'm walking about campus. And you look like a student, you too. You know, and... I More just, so a couple years ago. You still like a student. You still got okay. that, you still got that sauce. See, and and I still feel like that until I walk into the classroom and those kids, I'm not kids, but the students are there to see me. And yeah. I'm like, yo, they 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 gotta learn from me. Like a lot of pressure. And I ended up teaching because um I went to grad school and I obtained my master's in English and African American literature, which was something I did on a whim. Yeah. A whim. But Grad school ended up changing my life. It turned me into a scholar. It opened my mind intellectually. I read books now. I know more about myself. I know more about culture. A lot of what I learned in grad school, I talk about on my show. So it was very eye-opening, enlightening, and uh, beneficial to me. Mm -hmm. So once I graduated, I'm like, yo, radio is not kicking in. So I need a real-life job. Yeah. What am I going to do? You can teach. It it happened to be um, an opening at A&T. Wow. To teach. And I was like, yo, let me get in. I hit up all my, well, my former professors and one of my fav- favorite professors, he was like a chair at that time. And I was mm-hmm. like, man, I really need this job. You know me, you know my work ethic. Yeah. You read my work. You, let's, let's, let's do this. Let yeah. me in. And uh, I, I was in there networking. You wow. know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, my yeah. former professors are now my colleagues. Wow. Wow. So no, I did not see this amount, uh, see this coming mm-hmm. at all. I didn't see grad school in the horizon. I had no idea that I would be in grad school, but it was something that happened with life. A, a lot of stuff I just winged. Yeah. And so with that being said, what's the most difficult thing about being a young professor? Because it's like you got students that probably come with some different type of energy. And then what's the what's the most gratifying thing about being a professor? I wouldn't even say it's diff well. The difficulty about being a young professor doesn't even come from the students. Mm-hmm. It comes ah. from the older generation. Yeah. Like some of them still look at me like I'm a child. Yeah. Some of them still think I'm a student. Uh-huh. So I've been on campus before and I've had like colleagues. They don't even know I'm a, they're my colleague. Look at me and talk to me a certain way, like in a condescending way. And they don't know that I'm a whole live, real live professor out here in these streets. So mm-hmm. it's like a there are egos in the academia world. Yeah. In the academic world, there are a lot of egos, particularly with those who have doctorates. You see the hierarchy, and I'm an adjunct. Yeah. So adjuncts are at the bottom of the totem pole yeah. in the world of academia. So it, the respect uh, aspect can be yeah. a little, little, trying. little trying from my colleagues, but me being a young professor gives me an advantage with the students because I think they see themselves in me. Yeah. I feel like they are more open with me due to my relatability. I was just in, well, not just, oh gosh, I'm yeah. getting old. It seems like yesterday. Yeah, almost, yeah. Yo, yeah. <laughs> it seems like yesterday, but I I was just in yeah, college. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to yeah. let it ride. I was just in college. Yeah. So I, I know what they're going through. Like, I hear their conversations, and I'm like, man, nothing's changed, yo. They yeah. still going to the calf, getting turned. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. they talking about Riverwalk. They talking about uh, 
next level party. They talking about probate, all of the stuff that we, you and I, yeah, we got to experience. Every year, oh, let's pregame for probate. You let's know, go there. Let's mob about. All, all right, of where, that. Going. Well, we partying and we going Green Street. And like we, all it's of crazy that. Thing, we just hold this whole time. You may have went. Maybe two blocks in the real Greensboro. Mm -hmm. Yeah, your four-year career has so many experiences within a couple of carbon complexes yes. and a couple clubs. Yes. And you never left. You never seen. I didn't know white people existed in Greensboro. Okay, because we took over. <laughs> we legit took over, especially downtown area. They were downtown, over yeah. us. Over us. But People still be going downtown like that? Yeah. Okay. They do. I I stay away. Like, I, you know, working in the radio, I, I know the party promoters. And some of them are the same party promoters that you and I party Sick. with. Crazy. But, and then some of them leveled up. So yeah. this was up. But, you know, Greensboro is a college town. So naturally, they're going to appeal to their demographic, the college kids. So they're, they're getting lit. I just cannot. They'll invite me to, to a party. I'm like, nah, you know, I'm going to run into my students. You know, I'm going to run into my students out there. It can't be the way. But yeah, the relatability factor really helps out with my students. A lot of them feel very comfortable with me. Uh, they open up and I just keep it hot with them. Like I talk to them like this. You know, mm -hmm. some of them trip out because they expect me to speak an academic language yeah, well, all the time. Roger. I don't have time. This yeah. is my classroom. I'm going to speak the way that I want to speak, which is comfortable for me. You mm -hmm. know, I'll, I'll dilly dally with, dally with both. But ultimately, I speak the way I feel is most comfortable. They get it. They understand me. We're mm -hmm. writing. We're engaging. We're reading. And it's lit. My students, I, I don't have issues with them. Would you say that's the most rewarding part about it then? Man, I'm so proud of my students, man. It's, oh, so I see them flourish once they leave my class. I, I know I'm making an impact when they call me back or they'll email me like, Miss Cornell, can you write a, a letter of recommendation for me? Or Miss Cornell, how do I navigate this space? Or did you go through this? Like they're asking me personal questions or how to navigate uh, their majors, how to switch majors or how to move forward with their matriculation process, like mm -hmm. real life things they think about me. And I'm like, yeah. wow, I am making an impact because sometimes I'm like, man, am I, I really no reaching them? Like that. I mean, I was cool with, I mean, let's say I had cool, but it's mm -hmm. like, they were so old or they were uh, foreign or mm -hmm. they just, I just didn't feel it. I wish I have no real, real cat. I mean, I had real cats. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. I nobody I can really say that, you know, a couple years older than me and I can really relate to yeah. or have an impact. So that, that's always rewarding. And I'll, some of them will follow, they'll find me on social media, but I'm able to see like. Yeah, but luckily the work you do is like, it ain't like you. Yeah. You know, know with it. I'm not, I'm, I'm a public figure out here in these streets. So they yeah. find me, they follow me and I follow some of them back. And it's just amazing to see their growth. I've seen some of them skyrocket with their majors. Some of them run for positions on campus, mm -hmm. pledge, internships, creating their own content. I'm like, do it, mm. do it. I love it. So I'm so proud of them. Super rewarding to know that I'm making a positive impact on fellow ag. Mm, and remember, 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 everybody that's listening to this podcast, remember, specifically if you're a minority, it's your obligation to give back in some capacity. It's not, this ain't, this ain't nothing to just to, to highlight on social media, et cetera. It's an obligation yeah. um, in all aspects, not just financially, but you need to be in people's lives in some capacity, whether it's elementary, middle school, high school, college, young adult, I don't care. So right now, if you've been thinking about volunteering, thinking about doing something, I don't care what it is, but you need to find your faith, find your place in the space. Um, so let's try. I only got two more things about I want to I want to jump into life real quick. And the, the two questions I want to ask on that is uh, what's what surprised you the most about life after 25? Like, because growing up, it's like we, we think we just 
we're just gonna skip to massive adulthood, but is it is it in between around 25 where you know enough to know enough, yeah. but you don't know enough to not know enough? So it's like, whoa, this is cats really out here moving like that? Like, so yeah, what 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 things have interested you or shocked you uh <laughs> after 25? Yo, the fact that 25 seems like yesterday to me. Yeah. The fact that 30 is knocking on the door this year uh-huh. is is scaring me. Like legitimately, like where is the time going? Because mm-hmm. I was just twenty five. Yeah, I was. We were just out of college. Legit, we doesn't it seem white, like yesterday? Nah, I'm not saying white part, white part. Shout out next level, but we were just at. Let me just name a club. We were just at Music City. We were just at Music City. We right. were just at three AM. Inferno. Out where everybody's okay. going, getting weird texts, swerving weird texts, answering weird texts. Like yeah, we were there, man. We were just there. It seems like yesterday. But what has really shocked me is that I'm real live out here with it. As an adult, mm-hmm. and the the accountability is real, and being self sufficient, mm-hmm. and going back to my childhood, like we have a lot growing up, mm-hmm. and I didn't have a lot of support financially. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I didn't come from wealth. I didn't come from a stable family structure where some some people could be like, hey, dad, they could be 25 and up and still go yeah. ask their mom or dad for help. Yeah. I don't have that. Yeah. And that is very daunting mm-hmm. to know that you are an adult. You have bills, mm-hmm. legit bills that are not stopping. Yeah. And as you. And grow- if you miss it, stuff will get taken away. Okay. So. <laughs> it's like, not like, hey, my make, hey, excuse me, not like student loans. Like student loans, they're going to find you. They're going to find you, but, but you like, can wait on that. Rent, they can get your stuff up out of that exactly. car. They can go take that car. Like, all credit of cards that. get declined. And when you had no money, it's like, you can't just go to food line. Like, yo, can I? No. You know, I'm good for, I'm a good person. Can't. I'm a good person. I help out with the kids. No, can't do any <laughs> of that. And that is daunting once you realize that, wow, you are really out here. You are by your, this is my story. You're yeah. by yourself and you got to make ends meet on your own. Yeah. That, that was shocking to me. It was scary. And sometimes it's still scary. Yeah. And I have to be okay with being on my own and trying to figure out ways to create opportunities for myself or flourishing that burden just to go back yeah. to that. Like not having those safety nets. It's scary. So after 25, it got real. Mm-hmm. It's still real. Those bills ain't stopping. Yeah. It's more bills and, and now, learning from trial and error too, like taxes. Yeah. What? Yeah. Like trying to learn financial literacy, stuff that should have been taught to us in schools. We have to learn on our own or trying through trial and error. Relationship literacy. Relationship <laughs> literacy. Again, like what's shocking to me is that, man, I'm vulnerable as hell right now. Um, Being that I'm 30, Mm-hmm. And a lot of my relationships have just failed. And it's just like, wow, society puts pressure on women or people in general. Like once you're 30, you're supposed to be married. You're supposed yeah, to you're have kids. Something wrong. It's if like, she's single, smiling, but it's like, so nah, what's bro. wrong with her, bro? What's wrong with her? You crazy. <laughs> I get all of that. And it's just like, nah, I'm not crazy. I just don't want to repeat any of the steps yeah. that I've done um, in the past. I didn't know myself. I can read people better. That's the only thing. Because once you get older now, you can read. You can see okay. energy from a mile away. And I I'm like, nah, uh, <laughs> ooh, you was, this was fun, but I got to let you go, my friend. Like, this was real cute, but I don't I don't want that. So I know what I want. I know yeah. a lot more about yeah. what I want in a Slowly relationship. Slow get older. Slowly it's coming together and I'm, I'm coming to peace with being present in the moment yeah. and not getting stuck on that success 
destination. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? There, Of course, there are places in which I want to be. Yeah. Of course, there are things that I'm plotting on uh, with my career or trying to, you know, create more money, more opportunities for myself. That's a part of my journey and that's a part of what I want to build as far as success. But I'm learning to uh, be present in the now. Mm-hmm. Take in the journey. Yeah. Like it is what it is. Just be in that moment. Take it. Take it one day at a time. You know what I'm mm. saying? So, yeah, I'm 30. Ain't got no kids. I'm living. <laughs> I'm thriving. Kids is trill. Like, yeah, it, what? I got stuff I'm trying to accomplish. So, yeah, I'm an adult. It's It's scary sometimes. And society places pressures on me. And sometimes it gets to me. Sometimes it doesn't. But I'm in the moment, man. The crazy thing about this all, it's funny. We record all these podcasts that go out to do well. But in around, around like 10 years, I, I'm a, I always pay for it. Even, even if I transition outside the podcast world. But you'll be able to listen to it. But like, dang, I was talking like at 29. Like, imagine. And maybe your kids might be in the background. Like, like what are you talking about? <laughs> we blah, 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 blah. blah. Like, yo, I had said all this stuff out and then right. I met. So it, it's going to be interesting that we live in an area now where we can really not only see old pictures, we can listen to us. Mm-hmm. Like our parents, they didn't have to listen to fools. They said, that's why they think they're so deep. Yeah. Like, oh, imagine your mom or some of your uncles that always got something deep to say. It's like, mm-hmm. bro, imagine you. Some of them are still kind of. But some of y'all, like I knew at 25 or 30 because mm-hmm. I could see how you raise your seed. I could see who he is, but that's neither here nor there. We got documentation. So when now it's like I could go back and look at uh, it's it's just it's just crazy. I man. get what you're saying. My mom says that all the time. Morgan, you don't know how lucky you are. You get to Facebook has all your pictures and you yeah. got podcasts. You can go back and listen. I'm like, wow, that is true. It's lucky, but you just like it's a lot of stuff that you didn't want to listen to. You don't want to see it yourself. You lucky they ain't on, on, on online. That's real. I journal a lot. I've been keeping journal since I was a child. So sometimes, you know, to practice gratitude, I'll pick up an old journal just to see where I've come from. Yeah. And I'm like, yo. In school, was lit. I was going, ooh. Like, like what was there. I going through Why was I that? talking about that? Oh, I was grown like crazy stuff. So, yeah, the documentation could be a good and bad thing. <laughs> yeah, man. So let's talk about future. Let's talk about future, man. Uh, what do you think is next for you personally? Like, what do you envision, man? Like the rest of 2019 or just the next couple of years? But if you had to paint a picture and it ain't going to be perfect, but if you had to paint a picture, what would be included in it? Man, the rest of this year, this year is flying. Yeah, the year is about, by. man, we about to do a recap of 2019 pretty soon. Okay, uh, man. Ooh. I don't know, but what I'm working on right now, yeah. I have to yeah. solidify a full-time job in radio, period. We got to get it. I'm going to get it. I'm not stopping until I get it. I've had enough program directors in a number of markets and various stations tell me straight up, you have the talent. I could see you as a radio personality. You could do it. I just wish I had an opportunity for you. I have the talent. I feel it in my spirit. I can visualize it. I see myself having my own show, whether it's a midday slot mm-hmm. or a night slot, preferably a midday joint, yeah. you know? Night slot. I don't know how people do night slot. It, just, it, it brings a different type of energy, man. Yeah. It's, it's rough. It, it, it's interesting. It's yeah. like a party. You got to be in party mode all the time. Midday. In your life, you can't really move. Like You just always at the radio station. Legit. Radio is it, it's you true. Got, you have a, a daytime relationship, and that those relationships <laughs> don't. I don't want those. You all know people want those type of deal. There's, there's some people out there working it, but that's a little, it, little it different setup. It gets setup. rough. Radio <laughs> life and relationships. We yeah. can talk about that too. Yeah. But midday slide, 
I don't care where I'm at. I just want to be in a thriving radio station that is supportive of their talent, that is supportive of their community and plays bomb music. And that will allow me to be me freely mm-hmm. and to capitalize off of that. That's what I'm speaking. That's what I'm claiming. Get that. Yeah. And it's going to happen. I'm making networks. I'm meeting people. I'm traveling to meet people. I am sliding in DMs. I am doing what I have to do. I'm meeting people who hire people. You know what yeah. I'm saying? It's coming. Oh, yeah. I mean, I love advice, but advice is cool. Let's get this job. Let's get this job. Like, oh, this is cool. Like, I appreciate you listening to my air chat, but what what positions are available? I think you will be great, man, but we just don't got a stop Nah, hire me. So it's coming. I I know I can feel it. I can see it. I can visualize it. It's right there, and it's coming. And I've had opportunities where it was right there, right there, a few times, and it just wasn't for me. So I want this opportunity to be for me wholly. You know what I'm saying? Um, a book. Yeah. I'm gonna write this book. Man, I had something crazy happen to me. I don't know how much time we got. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Yo. Crazy. So, I've been plotting on a book, right? Mm-hmm. And it's about a friend of mine who passed away. Yeah. Deep stuff. It's yeah. like a lifetime movie. This story has to be told, but I've been holding off on it because it's kind of traumatizing going back to that rough part of my life but it's a story that I think will impact people you know what I'm saying and inspire people and inspire me as I'm getting through these emotions and whatnot so I've been putting it off then I got invited to speak on a panel right and it was a panel where my friend Brianna yeah shout out to Brianna shout out to Brianna Lorraine yeah Yeah. she just launched another book my girl is a whole author out here a mother doing all types of beautiful works and she had me on a panel with so many beautiful women who did various things. But there was a publisher on the panel. Mm-hmm. When I tell you she spoke to me wow. and she didn't even know it. She was just like, you know, some people may may not be led to write because they're fighting their emotions or writing might be traumatizing because of a certain situation. I was like, yo, what? This is me. Like, this is why I've been stalling on that on the process. And when I sat and thought about it, it was the anniversary of my friend's death. Wow. That same day that I'm hearing this publisher talk to me. The spirit be moving, man. Moving, man. And this was right before I had to talk. Going yeah. back to that whole yeah. flourishing that so burden. Anxiety. Like, hold up. What anxiety. Is, what in the world? Emotions, yeah. grief. All of that is happening right before I get up in front of that stage, in front of those people. And mm-hmm. I'm telling them about, you know, my life and affirmations and whatever the topic was at that time. But I'm going through it because I'm dealing with what she just said grief and all of this stuff coming together divinely like that oh that's a sign i gotta get this book popping off like mm-hmm. confirmation let's do this so yeah i want to be an author i know i've told you this before yeah, but, but it's coming man it's like, coming it's don't i i feel you i used to be I, I i of course i'm big on execution but i'm also big on timing yeah when, when stuff is ready it's gonna be ready exactly um especially if you know you're pausing it for the not i would say the right reasons but you're pausing it to make it a better, complete project. Mm-hmm. So it all it all makes sense because then when it's out, it's out. Right. It's out. Um, you want to be proud of it. Exactly. I want to be do proud it of it. Injustice. It's about somebody dear to me and dear to other people. I want to make sure that it's done right. So mm-hmm. I feel you on that. So a book, I want to capitalize off my podcast. I want that to grow. I just want to be um, a multimedia mogul. Mm-hmm. You know, want to Make sure that I'm on my my radio stuff, but I want to be an author. I want to transition to television. I want to do it all. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I can. I hate when people try to put me in a box like, oh, you do too much. 
oh, you're a jack of all trades, a master of none. No, nah, don't don't limit me. Yeah. Don't limit me. And in a sense, I mean, you're already a mogul. Come and on. media mogul. It's just that the Come things on. is uh you're already in these places. So now it's just time. Like the thing is, I feel like society now and culture now, all the time for certain careers have been augmented. Mm. Like you it's it's it might take 10 years, but it's it's a necessary 10 years. Like you feel me? Mm-hmm. So then when you're in it, you just you're you're there, you're polished, you're ready. Right. And even any of you if you're right, you're unpolished, you're the right unpolished. Like Got you. And this and there's a lot of analogy I can go to, but I'm not gonna go there. But it's it's I think it's exciting that even you have the foresight to do that. Um, but also too that you're not there yet. Mm-hmm. Cause then now when you get there, it's like you you know the gaps. You already see the gaps, you know where you're going. And it's different when you're there and it's like, oh man, and you fumble that situation. I don't want to fumble. It's like, nah, I've, I'm, I'm in on the grind. I'm 29. I'm about to be 30. Mm-hmm. And then now I, when I get the opportunity to, to be a, racing, a radio personality for a major segment, I'm not just treating it like it's nothing. I'm ready. I'm, 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 I'm hitting the ground running with ideas, with different layers to get the blow to show up because yes. I've, been in the, I've been in the wings for eight years. Okay. It's I'm like, ready to get these ideas popping yeah. off. I've been in the wings for a minute. Uh-huh. And the beauty part is once I get there, I'm going to give back. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I'm going to give back. I see so many. I have interns come through here now and they're like, Morgan, can you help me with this? Or how do I get in the industry? I'm going to give back. I want to help people. Later on in life, I can see myself being a program director. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Running a radio station, yeah. hiring talent, coaching talent. You know what I'm saying? Where I sit back and let my, my people do the work. We collaborate showcase themselves, do work in the community. We out here with it. I can yeah. see all of these things. And, and in radio, ne- ne- radio executives, and, and, and if you ever come across this interview, man, you better get on it quick because in this day and age, it's nothing to create your own, own network deal um, and max it out and make mm-hmm. it. So it's like, let's, let's get on it quick. Let's yeah. keep it in the industry. Let's keep it in the industry, all right? Mm-hmm. So let's go, let's go here. Um, last thing before we enter our culture change, rapid fire round and close the show. Uh, what do you want your lasting legacy to be? Wow. Like in general, like when it's all, all right, now we've we've had our career. We've done a media mogul. That's cool. You're the it girl. You've been motivated. You've, you've pushed people. You did all this other stuff. But when we talk about legacy, though, like, Ooh. what do you want people to say? I want, I want my content to be timeless. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I'm saying? Where somebody can go back. And listen to this podcast or listen to a like show a that Dick I've Gregory done. Or like a Malcolm X or somebody like where it's like, it still, it still hits. It still hits. It makes sense. Cause I'm not just going to talk about music. I want to talk about life. I want to yeah. talk about things that we can apply to our days, our daily lives. Like yeah. I want my content to be timeless, like my books or my shows or the, com- the events and uh, community type community-based events that I've put on for people. Like, oh, man, do you remember that event Miss Morgan McKenzie put on for the people? You get what I'm saying? Something like that. I also want to build wealth. I want to get out of a poverty mindset. Yeah. You know, when you go... Which is difficult. Even when you start, like, moving and moving, it's always thinking, like, can should I really get that? Right. Like, should I really get... It's a weird thing. Like, we get so used to... We, we used to giving... This is black folk. We used to giving, but receiving, and that's through the slavery... We used to giving so much, but receiving, we like, master, and even us, I'm not, I'm not a slave, but I'm like, yo, I, I, me, me, a hundred thousand dollars a year, a million dollars, me, me, what? No, that you're deserving. But, we, but we'll give everything else. We'll give our last dollar. We know, we know mothers that know, unfortunately, we love our sons. We love our children, but no, they ain't, they ain't, they ain't no good, but we give it all. 
But in receive, we don't ask for no help. We don't say anything. Mm-hmm. It's a weird thing that I think I, I, I was on the conference call uh, earlier yesterday, and it's like, I always struggle with, man, I'll give anything. Mm-hmm. And I didn't gave culture. We didn't, we didn't went down that road. We didn't fill down that road. But it's still, at times, hard to not just like outside of, I didn't got check speaking and it's been way more than I ever thought I was going to be able to make. Mm-hmm. But as far as just outside of that, like when you start expanding outside of your natural skill set, like media more, okay, once you dominate the radio industry, let me go into movies. Well, it's, it's, it's hard to be like, well, let me even imagine having a, a major movie until you're there. Until you're there. It's like, you can't imagine it. It's I hard. cannot, but I'd embrace it. I yeah. try my hardest to embrace <laughs> it while I'm in it. It would be like, yo, wow, I come, I came from that to this. It would be uh-huh. crazy. But I want the content to last and I want to get out of that poverty mindset. Like, having money and then being afraid to spend it because something might come through. Something yeah. might come up like a bill or something crazy might happen and now you're broke. Like poverty mindset. Like I want to learn the business. I want to learn how to create wealth so that if there comes a day where I have children, they'll be set. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Legacy. My kids won't have to worry about anything. My kids will be able to go to college or have something to um, inherit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So. I want to make an impact for on the community and for my children. That sounds so crazy yeah. if that happens. I don't know. What yeah. Do you, what do you think, especially in this in this media industry where you want to love and support people, specifically black people? Mm-hmm. How can you support? How like what are some ways that we can be supportive um, of other people's journeys? Um, it's a simple question because I, in the context behind this, because you like, let's look at Taylor Rooks, right? Taylor Rooks, she's a, a sports reporter. She just got an affiliation with Bleacher Report. She's pretty young. Okay. And um, she's one of the only, one of the few black, probably one of the only black women re- sports reporters on Bleacher Report, mm-hmm. which is like a huge, it's like the ESPN of of sports in a sense. You're schooling me right now because yeah. I don't watch ESPN, but yeah. shout out to her because yeah. that's crazy. It's really big. Like she's interviewing a lot of the, the, the big time athletes, man. She's young and black getting it. Mm-hmm. And there's so many examples around. Um, shout out to Sylvia Bell with BuzzFeed. There's so many like other people that's doing some stuff, mm-hmm. but it's like, how can you really, it's not how can you really, but like, how can you really support people when, how, hey, how to support people when you're searching the same dream? And mm. you know, like, you feel me? Yeah, Because it's hard. I mean, like, honestly, it's like, yo, I want to see it, but I'm like, bro, we're doing it not in this, we in different lanes, but like, bro, it's hard to really think that there could be a lot of us in the thing. So I think I understand what you're saying. Like, we all kind of in the in the same game right yeah. now and how to be supportive of others while we're still trying to go at the same thing. Yeah. I'm living that right now. Yeah. Living that right now, particularly with radio, the industry is extremely competitive. Uh-huh. And with women, few slots for women in radio. It's very yeah. much so male dominated. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're seeing more organizations come together, like women in radio or black women in radio, where they're connecting women mm-hmm. in radio. Mm-hmm. And the unity aspect is dope because we get a bad name where mm-hmm. we're competitive, we're bratty, we don't support each other because we're all trying to get to and our job. A false narrative. And you to know, some to some degree, because <laughs> and I can I can be honest and say it, it can get catty sometimes. Yeah. But the beauty part is that unity is being formed. Like the one of the panels that I went to uh, in New York City, it was for women in radio. So I got to meet more women who are doing what I'm doing. We mm-hmm. all got different lanes. We all going for the same thing though. Yeah. And 
it could you just got to be secure in who you are, yeah. secure in your content, secure in what you're producing and being secure in your capabilities and your talent. So you won't be shaken or moved by another young lady who is doing what you're doing. So I've made an effort to reach out to these other radio personalities. I follow them. Mm-hmm. I follow other talent, particularly women. What they doing? Mm-hmm. What they got going on? You yeah. know what I'm saying? And not in a, in a way to be competitive. I'm trying to support. Like, yeah. oh, girl, you did a dope break. I listened to your air check. You sound <laughs> wonderful. Or oh, I can't wait to meet you in New York City. Like, it was cool because yeah. I got to meet other women who are doing what I do. They understand the grind being a woman in radio, being in a male-dominated industry that don't valid don't want to validate women's perspectives on things like music or mm-hmm. things that could be very much so beneficial to the station until a man says it. You know what I'm saying? We share all of that. Yeah. So the unity is being made mm-hmm. and you have to be secure in who you are. And yeah, we all going for the same thing, full-time jobs, mm-hmm. full-time radio jobs, but it is what it is. I support you, girl. Don't do nothing shady. Yeah. We good. Like I yeah. support you. It's it like is what it is. Falling in love with the craft instead of yes. falling in love with like popularity. Bingo. And you see some some people who do it for clout, some people who don't know the craft like that. And that's what's been my saving, my saving grace with radio. Mm. I love the craft. Like yeah. I'm trying to learn everything about this thing. Yeah. Like I love production. I love the soundboard. I'm trying to figure out what my program the program director is doing in here. Mm-hmm. I picked Big Mo's brain. He mm-hmm. programs the music. I'm trying to learn everything in this thing. So if the day comes where I can run my own station, I'm mm-hmm. down. I could do that. So I fell in love with the craft. So sometimes I'll be like, man, should I do this idea? I'm scared or other. I remember I wouldn't, I would feel like I would have to wear makeup on air when I'm posting mm-hmm. and doing videos. Like I felt like I had to keep up with the girls. Like. Mm-hmm. Other radio personalities that are women, they be beat down. Like, I'm talking about coming to the station, looking like they about to go to the club, but that's their brand. Yeah. And I had to be like, okay, am I going to compare myself to them? Mm -hmm. Should I be doing this? And I'm like, nah, y'all going to get this bare face. Because what I give, my brand is transparency. People rock with me because I'm going to get them what it is. Like, Mm -hmm. I will get on IG Live. When I just rolled out of bed and just made it to the station, be like, yeah, I just got here, man. I'm going through it. But we go party like people know that I'm going to be transparent. I'm going to give you what it is that day. And that's my lane. Like, so instead of comparing other talent and what they're doing and what I should be doing, I do what's 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 for me. Mm -hmm. What's my lane? Stay in it. Cultivate the craft and move on up. Cultivate the craft. That might yeah. be the uh, that might be the the, the, the the title of the show. Cultivate the craft. Cultivate the craft. I'm that's that's it. crazy. I always remind myself every single day. It's like once you really and truly fall in love with the craft. Mm-hmm. Um, of course you want to pay your bills, but of outside course. of that, it's like what more can you want? Because once you become a master of the craft, people know. People real recognize real. When you step mm-hmm. in the room, they're like, yeah, I, I don't care. She don't got the reach. We know who the dogs are. <laughs> like we know who the dogs are. Because then, because thing is. Once you get amongst your peers, popularity goes out the window. It doesn't matter because mm-hmm. you know who's really putting the work, who really has talent. Right. You have to respect it. That's because true. if you have no talent and you in there, in there with other dogs, it's like anything. It's like, oh, there's a lot of Rottweilers here, but there's only a couple that can, is going to take your neck off. Now, that's real. And it's going to show. <laughs> if, you don't, if you don't cultivate your craft, one day it's uh-huh. going to show that you haven't done the work. Uh-huh. Like maybe you skated your whole life. You ain't have to cultivate the craft. But one day, my friend, it's going to yeah. show. Yeah. You need to be ready. Mm. Gotta be ready. 
So on the fact of being ready, let's jump into our last round, our culture change round, where I asked a series of five rapid fire questions. And I need five rapid fire answers. You ready? This gave me anxiety. Nah, oh, it, it ain't like the radio interviews where y'all just be all based <laughs> out of pocket with these questions. Nah, I, I, that's not my lane. I okay, stay in okay. where I'm at. I, what's the best piece of advice that you have never received? Never received? Never. Whoa. That's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like you giving your own mm. advice. Your own Ooh. thing. Ooh. Is there a pass button? No. What? Okay. Oh, man. <laughs> no, that's a horrible. I'll, I'll probably put a drop. That I given myself. Yeah. All right. I, I've got me and I've had me. And to, un, ooh, I have me and I've always had me since I can remember. Hmm, bring it down. I have me. So Sounds like some deep, deep rock chakra stuff where you're hey, trying to sound deep. I rock with him. I rock with I him. I got me until I got me. No, and everybody see this sound like. It's real though. Like, ever since I was little, I remember people letting me down. Mm-hmm. It could be friends, it could be family. Reach. It could be whoever. Every single day. Every day. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? We have these expectations set for people. And we expect people to fill these roles because they're our mother or they're our father or they're our friend or they're our sister or bestie or whatever. You know what I'm saying? They have these these roles and we expect them to do certain things because that's what they do. Yeah. That's what the role requires. Mm -hmm. But some people don't reach it. So then you're let down. And I remember just being a kid and being let down sometimes. And it's just like, I would go into myself and I would figure out a way to make myself feel better. I would be like, I'm okay. Or I would draw or I would go outside or I would, I spent a lot of time with me, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? By myself. And I was okay. At yeah. the end of the day, I had me, even as a child, having that type of agency, you know what I'm saying? So fast forward as an adult, you're aware of a lot of different things. And those expectations are still there of people that we encounter every day or people that we love and care about. Mm-hmm. And they don't reach it. And they, dro- they, kid, they still drop and the it's ball. Still, they still drop the ball. And there are certain people in your life where you want them to live up to that role. Yeah. It seems super easy to do, but they just can't do it or they just refuse to do it. Mm-hmm. Or it's something that they just cannot do. Whatever the reason, you have to be okay with that and know that I've got me. Mm-hmm. I'm okay. I have to be pleasant in my own solitude and know that I got me. I've always had me. Mm-hmm. Period. Despite what anybody else does around me, mm-hmm. I've got me. Yeah. I've had me. Music Come on. Music to my ears. You broke it down. I yeah. see you. I see you. If you could add one habit and take away one habit, what would they be? Add one habit. Working out. You don't work Man, out. I can. I have not seen you, the gym and who knows. You want Miss Fitness. You miss going to light. Miss, 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 like. That's old. That's old news. So now you want to be old now. <laughs> so now, now we old now. Yo, old I son. cannot believe my life right now. I never thought I would see the day where dance is not number one mm-hmm. in my life. That was my workout. I I just taught a dance class. Last week, mm-hmm. which was amazing. I taught a kid's African dance class, had a blasty blast. Was I about to pass out? Yes. 
The kids didn't know though. Boy, you can't so, you can't get work this whole life to be the main person on the show. And now when you get the video on the show, man, now we we chunky chunk, boy. Man, no offense, because I mean, and, 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 and sisters, do not do don't you dare. Don't you dare be like, oh, t- you no, 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 no. I'm not saying all that. Don't don't get me there. I'm saying if you if you know you could be better, if you know you can do better, and you're not comfortable, like if you're not comfortable in your weight, then like get to a comfortable weight. So I know you probably comfortable in your weight, but it's like you probably know that. Oh, no. Hell, you, you work so hard to get to the the lights, the it girl, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden now it's just we don't care because we on radio. Right, it's easy on radio. they don't see me. Well, yeah. <laughs> I remember growing up, I used to hear these beautiful. Vo- I mean, no, they're still beautiful women, but I thought it was a little. Di- I was like, whoa, these people on radio, man, boy. Yeah, these radio boy, Tom Jordan, bro, he don't got no hair. There's a, like, I mean, shout out to Tom Jordan, but it's like all oh, these people, are like, yo, for real. There's a saying. Simple? Like, people have a face for radio. That means they're not attractive. But yeah. I don't know. I'm going to work on it, but I wish that was my habit. Working out, staying active. Because, you know, I, I do a lot of stuff. I'm making excuses. I just yeah. need to work out, make it yeah. a habit. Uh, What was the second? Create uh, a habit? Yeah. That we, was yep. my well, habit. Would I lose? Takeaway, yeah. Takeaway, procrastination. Man, procrastination has got to be the downfall. Procrastination though is a is a it's a lie though. Because no, the thing is you don't for what you want to do, you do. What you really want to do. And that's a whole different psychological conversation. Say that. Say that because if it's something that I want to do, I'ma do it. Yeah. But if I don't feel like doing it, I don't want to do it. Like you cause you can't say you procrastinate, but you showed up for a whole year and for all these times you you interned at 4 a.m. you did all this other stuff. So the things that you're really not doing, you have to really start to do a little hour of writing of why you really don't want to do it. Because there's something else. Like, procrastination Ooh. doesn't exist. We know that. Procrastination don't exist. You're teaching. It's E.T. And I remember, he said something. E.T. made a, a great example. He's like, yo, guys, if I told y'all be here at 4 a.m. and I got $2 million, 99, 100% of y'all will be here next time. Y'all will be there. So this procrastination thing is really a myth. It's really hiding a lot of stuff. Wow. You know. I read an article that broke that down a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's a deeper it's a, it's reason deeper. why yeah. we are putting things off. Ooh, okay, but yeah, well, we know, and it's a dangerous box. Because when you start opening those boxes, the boxes keep coming, and you're like, "Oh my god, what? Whoa, this is the reason why I didn't want to write this. Like, this is the reason why I got to a certain extent." Wow, now I'm up here thinking about like what I was procrastinating on and why. But yeah, just even think about even logical things. Think about your last relationship when you knew it was dead. But it was like two two months go by, uh, a, a night go by, and you're like, I should end the night. And it's like, I and, and so many other things. There was a reason that I'm holding on. Yeah. Come on, somebody. That's a word. Yeah, something there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Third, what is your favorite book or movie and why? You mentioned him earlier, Deepak Chopra. Mm-hmm. He has a book that I carry around often and I reread often for reminders and it's called the seven spiritual laws of success oh wow and it's a it's a it's a thin book Uh very easy read but it breaks down the concept of consciousness spirituality self-love um the law of attraction karma being intentional uh the law of least effort all types of things to just let you know who you are one quote, I think it's from this book, just knowing that you are love. That mm-hmm. was something that I struggled with for a while, like realizing that I am worthy of love. I am love and I am love. It breaks down that. So you know who you are before you start mm-hmm. plotting and planning for the future. 
Seven Spiritual Laws of Success, Deepak Chopra, a must read, beautiful book. And I'm telling you, it's beat up because I carry it around in my purse. And from time to time when I need to remind myself to be present and to be in the moment instead of becoming super agitated and wrapped up in irrational fears about the future because I don't, I can't control it. Yeah. I can't control it. So it teaches you how to be intentional in the present now, but letting go of the result. Mm. You know how you're plotting and planning like, oh, I'm going to get this job. I'm going to get this job. I'm going to do this. I'm going to study the company. I'm going to ace this interview. I'm going to get this job because the way I see it. Mm -hmm. But in the universe, it can happen any type of way. Yeah. It can happen any type of way, not necessarily how you planned it. And you have to be okay with that because mm. you can't control the future. Yeah, that's you why can't. a lot of people miss their blessing. Because they want it to yeah. be in the box, but you got to open it up. It can mm. happen any You might be so intentional. And once you let go of that, that control of the future, it might come back tenfold. Like you might even get something bigger than what you were planning on, but mm. you're so stuck on that, that rigid, overview of how you think things should happen mm -hmm. so yeah it teaches you to be intentional set goals however be open to the opportunities because mm -hmm. it might vary from the way you're planning it so all my single women stop looking for six three dark skin dudes stop <laughs> it stop it y'all got it y'all got to re reframe your blessings your blessing might be that five ten two one in in 85 pound dude he I'm got a good heart that. i'm working like that, that blessing me for you fellas stop stop looking for light-skinned girls y'all your blessings may be in the brown-skinned women like for real for real um but i since i'm in the radio station that's why i say things like that i typically don't say that in my home but i'm like yeah stop looking for blessings i mean going on and on for for for, for forever people want to say oh my blessings write a book well maybe you might need to do an audio book or maybe, <laughs> or maybe you can do something else. like there's so many other different things like people say oh i want to start a podcast like, bro, that might not be your do lane. something in the lot. Just, just, just do something locally. Like you, and cause you want to start a podcast, but it's like, you don't want to be committed to it. Like, mm. no, don't, don't do that. This, what is your intent? You, maybe you should do once a month, local meetings with 10 real people to sell your business. Like That's I need to do a podcast to go to brand. Well, how about find five local businesses that maybe need your services and invite them to a lunch, spend like $50, I mean a hundred dollars on a lunch. Get a little venue space and pitch your services there. Mm. But everybody want to grow their brand on podcasts. And then they spend a year in it. This is what happens. They spend a year in it and they get a couple hundred downloads, no business inquiries. And then like, oh man, blah, blah, blah. No, dog, because you put all your energy there when it had to be, get your clientele, which is in locally, mm -hmm. meet with them and share their services. And then you got a $3,000, $5,000 deal. So I'm just tired of all this other stuff, man. Like everybody, that's the problem right now. A lot of people in lanes, they should have no business being there. It's like you in the hove lane, but you got one person in the car. Get out the hove lane. Oh, I'm done. Get out the hove lane, bro. Like, get out the way. <laughs> like, you in the fast lane. You you driving 25 miles per hour. Get out the way. I'm weak. Let, let the dogs be dogs. Like, you need to be in the one lane. You need to be on a bicycle. No, you need to be walking. But you want to drive in cars. Let me that's why out. you keep getting wrecks. But that's either here you or there, man. You be speeding on the road, man. Hey, I do now. I bet. But back in the day, no, when I had my neon, I was in the lane. Come I, on, neon. I was, I was in a little 50, 50, 50, to, uh, 50 mile per hour, boy. It was, it was, it was rough times, man. Shout I out had to a neon. neon I yeah. had a white one. What color was yours? That's great. 2004. Wow. I, you know, all around my auntie. Shout out to that. Shout out to my Ultima, too. I had a 2002 Ultima. I had the radiator going crazy. Okay. Um, Honda Club. What's good? Yeah, yeah. It was oh, good days, good days, good days. Oh, man. <laughs> we still here. What is your, what is your biggest fear? Ooh, my biggest fear. Okay, 
Ugh. Okay. A few things pop up. With anxiety. Yeah. It's irrational fears daily. And it stemmed from lack of control. Mm. So, in general, losing control. Yeah. Not having control. Mm-hmm. It really drives me nuts. Mm. Still to this day. How do you cope with that? Just meditation. And, and meditation. Meditation and therapy. Meditation is really like what really, really helps me. Because I'm telling you, the concentration that is involved with meditation is just letting your thoughts be. Mm-hmm. Letting them be. And ultimately, you'll reach a level of peace. You'll reach what's called the gap. And it's nothing at all. And it's so blissful. Peaceful as hell. Because mm-hmm. I'm used to turbulent um, thoughts because I'm plotting and planning for the future. Like, okay, what is he going to say? How, how am I going to plan this? Or what is going to happen when I get there? Or is it going to fail? Am I going to crash? Like, all types of crazy shit. Sorry. Mm-hmm. No, not. I'm just because. Yeah. But all types of crazy stuff happens and I'm in my mind. I'm honest, honestly and constantly preparing for things that I have no control over. Mm. So that's a fear. Generally, not having control. And I'm learning that I can't control people. I can't control the future. We can barely control ourselves. We're trying to control somebody else. Exactly. But think about relationships. People people get into relationships and they become controlling. Not saying that I'm controlling, but we we have this sense of entitlement and ownership of people that we love when you got to just let them be. Because if both parties think like that, then it's chaos. It's like, chaos. I think, hey, bro, nah, don't talk. Hey, I'm, I'm on it. When don't I, talk when to I leave, her. boom. I was like, hold up. But my thought is, yo, when you leave, you go to Greensboro, you, I need to know the itinerary. My thought See? is, hey, I'm going to Greensboro. You know who I am, blah, blah. And it's Period. like two conflicting agendas. It is. But you you see what it is, though. Yeah. It's the sense of control. Like, oh, don't talk to this person. Or, or if I do this, maybe they'll do this in return. Like. You can't control yeah. people. You got to let that go. You got to let people be. You got to let people do what they do, whether they're not reaching expectations or not that you have set for them. People are going to be themselves, do what they want to do, and you got to be okay with that. You got to be okay with being intentional about your plans, what you want to do, but maybe they they work out. Maybe they don't. Yeah. We'll, you'll see when you get there. Not having control. That's that's one of my biggest fears. That's why I deal with anxiety. One of my students said something deep. I was like, a lot of cats, if you probably even want to still say, oh, you got a lot of potential. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, how do you, like, my, the student was like, how do you know I got potential? Like, why are you basing me off potential instead of who I am? Yeah, I'm right now. Ooh. And it sounds cool. It was a deep kick because everybody, he one of them kids, you know, everybody got a knucklehead kid. He's a cool dude. But he like, you you know that he can go left or right. Mm-hmm. And I had a real conversation with him because I was just asking. I was like, man, because you, because all these kids have heard, that, you're not, you're wasting your potential. But he's like, bruh. All the teachers ask me that, but how do you know this is my potential? This is who I am. And it's like, yo, we spend so much time teaching who we think people are mm-hmm. instead of teaching like who they are. Right. As teachers, but even people Dang, like in a relationship, like I'm trying to be make you the girl that I want you to be. And it's like, hold up, instead of the girl you are. And and I and it's hard because to think through it, because you in your head, you're like, no, this is how we supposed to be. It's like, hold up. It don't work like it that. It don't. Go get the girl you want instead of trying to mold yeah. or control. And change this girl into something you want. I can work with it. No, go get what you want, my G. Like, go get what you want. Because when you want Chick-fil-A, if somebody give you McDonald's, you ain't going to be like, I can work with it. Nah. I want Chick-fil-A. I want (laughs) Chick-fil-A. Give me my waffle fries. Like, nah. So, yeah. it's it's, some hummus. You can work with it. Oh, give me some hummus if you want. Not hummus, though. That that young man is... People trying to get me in this, this vegan lifestyle or trying to... Uh, Jamaican food is cool, but I don't eat Jamaican food. I don't eat Haitian food. So oh. don't tell me to go Haitian. I'm black. Oh, yeah, no, I don't eat I don't eat rice. It's me. 
Wow. So it's like, yo, stop, stop it, bro. Stop it. It was just Haitian stuff. Don't send me no invites. Don't send me your Facebook event. I don't want it. I'm playing, man. My Haitian oh, people shoot. like, yo, gee. He going in. Gee, hey, gee. That kid, he, he, he deep. Yeah, bro. How old is he? Uh, he's in like six, seven. He's in seventh grade. Wow. It's always a Keon. It's always a Keon. Shout out to Keon. Keon but it's all, these Keons are always. Keon like, on something, man. All, a Keon. Every Keon is always like a roller coaster, <laughs> he man. He knows. He knows. It's crazy. But it, it shocked me and it helped me just reevaluate my teaching a lot. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, as a teacher, and probably you are, you have students probably in class that in your head, like, it's just not living up. It's like, maybe who that's who he is. Maybe. I've, I can't control them. That's something I tell them every day. You got to make the decision to do your work. I hate teachers like that. They're no, like, but it's real yeah. life. You become lady class. What? Oh, well, I'm just indifferent. Okay. Oh, I got them. <laughs> I got them this week. Because we, uh, last week I showed a documentary on the Black Panthers. Uh-huh. They thought it was just, oh, we're just watching this. I'm going to leave early. One by one, they started fouling out. I was like, bet. It was like, oh, once we turn in our paper, we can leave. I said, you can do whatever you want to do. This is your choice. Like, this is what you want to do. Fine. They came back to class today. Pop quiz. I became that professor today. Mm. I love, it I love. Like, our, you mm. told us to leave. You told us we could leave. You decided to. You're grown. You could do whatever you want. I'm not about to force you to do anything. And that's, that's life, though. Oh, yeah. That's life. life yeah, you could do it. Oh, you don't have to go to that. You don't have to interview. You don't have to send an email. You don't have you don't. to do anything. You make that choice. You make that deciding factor on what you're going to do. Sure, you have potential, but where are you at right now <laughs> yeah. with it? What's good yeah. with it? Where are you at? Yeah, you have potential to stay here, get all of the information that I'm giving to you, apply it, all of that stuff. You had a potential to do so, but what you going to do right now? Maybe that's not you. I can't force you. Even though I will say though, not to be not to be old old school, but it's scary though when when we have we're talking about like Black Panthers and documentaries and you have students that attend the Black HBCU mm-hmm. and you make a decision like oh I don't need to this is skip. That's why I did it's that scary. pop quiz today because I I was I told them straight up I was like this was quality content mm-hmm. I said this stuff is still and being this stuff it has an impact today and y'all gonna walk out on that. Wow. They was like, no, Miss Cornell, no. No. And then we wanna be the first ones to march, do all this other stuff. It's like, bro. Come on. That's why I didn't march. That's why I know a lot of stuff. Cause I'm just now starting to get hip to my, my culture over the last year or so. Mm-hmm. Two couple years. But that's why I didn't really activate it. I mean, that could be an excuse on my end. I gotta unpack that. But I'm like, yo, I don't have no right. Cause I I, I haven't done my due diligence. Mm-hmm. But I see a lot of young cats wanna say a lot of stuff on social media about black stuff, black rap, whatever, but like, yo. You 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 are that person that walks out and don't read no history book. Don't you are read. that person. You you look at one YouTube conspiracy theory, and all of a sudden now you all on black culture. We you all. Look, I'm like, bro, what? You won't, bro. Did you research the person that said that? Man, it's it's intense out here, but I got them today, and hopefully they learned something from that. I was like, wow, like Black Panther. It was a really great documentary, but the beautiful part is, it did touch some of the, a lot of my. Yeah, because that's the thing about the culture. Everybody's not going to get hit. Everybody ain't going to get hit. We got to love the people they are because we spend a lot of time trying to get find all these people. But then mm-hmm. the people that's like, yo, I'm, I'm learning. I'm here with it. I'm here for them. Yeah, let the, let, the, let the riders ride. Yeah. All right. If you were the president of the United States, what's the first thing you would do? <laughs> the president of the United States. Morgan I, McKenzie. I see this question popping up on social media uh, in regards to a lot of the 
candidates who are running for president right now. Reparations. Where are ours? Yeah, I'm trying to figure out how to make that happen. And and yo, you Andrew Chang supporters, don't don't I hold him to the fire, man. Don't say, oh, he's gonna give everybody ten grand. Nah, don't no 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 no. I want an, I want this reparation talk. Like, I'm not no. I don't, I'm not going to. I'm not going to say China Man. Because we got some minorities listening to this podcast that are of Asian descent. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to say that. That's all I'm going to say. I will try and figure out a yeah. way. Kamala Harris, where the black agenda? What's the black agenda? Yeah. I would okay. have yeah. one. Yeah. I would legit have one. Like, if, if I made it that far, I would try to figure out what's my black agenda. And how we gonna get reparations? I don't even care how we, wild that sounds, though. I don't. I remember. Did we? Did we really ask Barack Obama what his black agenda was, and did he give an answer? Really? I'm trying to remember. Because I'm gonna be honest, though. I'm gonna be honest. I think, I with all respect to Barack Obama. Shout out to Barack Obama. You listening? I appreciate you, <laughs> and Michelle. But I feel like there's a lot more scrutiny now on black candidates than it was before. I keep seeing that too. I mean, I I I see both sides. Like one, we should still hold black yeah. candidates. Uh, accountable, we should just let them skate because they're black, yeah. you know, but but now we ultra critical now. So, yeah, the the scrutiny is real out here. Yeah. It is, but if they bout it, they're they not going to fold. They're going to be ready because this is the presidency. If you can't handle it from our community, how you going to handle yeah. it from a yeah. global aspect? Yeah. They don't it's want coming. Some, yeah. It's yeah. coming regardless. It is what it is. And this Trump thing done woke a lot of cats up about oh. a lot of stuff and now everybody want to be so, and I get it. I like it. So we're going to see, man. Hopefully there's not a lot of friendly fire going around. This is um, wild to watch. Mm. Draining. So we're done with that. Every person has ever been interviewed on the show answered this last question. And then we close it out. If you could change one thing about society, most specifically our African-American culture, what would it be and why? Fresh off this Black Panther documentary that I watched last week and talking about it in my class. and. Watching how the Black Panthers got together collectively, Mm -hmm. like they started locally, then it branched out nationally and it even moved internationally. The unity aspect. I know it sounds cliche, but I really wish that we as black people could unite on a larger scale, like unity and on the all spectrums, all types of black people not being exclusive to some or uh limiting one group of people or casting out another group of people because they're different or they have a different sexuality or all types of differences. We are diverse people. So once we come together collectively and unite, I think that would be beautiful. Mm. So that's where I'm at with it. Well, hey, all I got to say is, man, if I did all my interviews in person, then all my interviews would be two and a half hours. (laughs) We have legit been talking, dog. I mean, but it, it works because you I mean you're a legend at what you do. Thank you. And I'm a self-proclaimed legend. Yep. So it's gonna be natural and it's gonna feel like that. But now I can see back in the day I used to be like, yo, how does Howard Stern be bro, Howard Stern used to be have shows like three hours? I'm like, mm-hmm. yo, he's not talking about anything. <laughs> and Howard Stern is like the number, he is he he is the the standard. He's popping, yeah. So I'll end it with this, man. Minority Trouble is a nation. You've gotten over a couple hours worth of time. And guess what? I ain't cutting nothing because I ain't listening. I'm not going to listen to it all over again. So it's all going out like this. My my audio guy, he's going to do. Shout out to Sidney Evans, man. He's going to layer it. And I never cut anything anyways. Really? Nah, I never don't. I wow. mean, I just I just listen through because I need talking points to market. Mm-hmm. But I got where I need to go with this. But no, nah, I never cut. Because luckily when you got a podcast, I don't, I don't, 
I love y'all, but I I don't I don't I don't care enough about um time sometimes. Like, cause some people that want to listen to thirty minute show, they're gonna listen to thirty minute shows, mm-hmm. or they're gonna listen to it in snippets, or somebody be like, all right, this is show for me. This ain't this ain't right. Mm-hmm. And they gonna the lawyer people. They gonna ride. Some people listen every single show to the end. Mm-hmm. Some people listen to stuff that fits their needs. Some people come on because of a certain guest. Um, but to be honest, it's my show. So if it, if I've I've had three hour podcasts. And honestly, that one has, is my number two of all time. Oh, that must have um, been really good. It was, it was about tech thing and it went viral. It was about like tech and app development, turning out offers. And it had like, he went to Prince and all this stuff. So, you know, wow. people was game, but game is game. Mm-hmm. And luckily, this is this is my show. This ain't syndicated. It ain't radio. I ain't built for radio because I, I can't do 30 minutes. You can do XM. Uh, yeah, XM is cool. But I just feel like we're in a space now, man, in, in, in the culture. And we can actually talk about this off here. Hey, my own Trouble is the nation, man. I love y'all. <laughs> Make sure you do this one thing and one thing only, as always, change the freaking culture. Good night.